College Football Podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly, back in the States. Uh, Ryan, how's it going, man? Good. I cannot confirm my location this time, and, and nor can you. Uh-huh. Um, any rumors to, to, to any kind of notion about where I'm at in the world um, have, frankly, no basis of reality. I, I podcast from, from the digital realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the metaverse at all times, and... Uh, it's going it's going awesome for me financially too and everyone thinks I'm I'm really smart for doing it. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize this, but we do actually record all of our shows in the metaverse. We have our our little headsets on um and it's it's really more just for our sake. You know, we get in the little room, uh we have our our fun little avatars and we just sit there uh on a on a in a room with two couches and then a little coffee table in between us and we just sit there yeah. and we record the podcast. Um, and it's it's sort of just a, a visual aid, I guess, because if, if I don't see you and, and your weird little uh, meta triangle body, uh, I don't know that you're there. I, I don't have that. Right. You know, I don't really have object permanence yet. And so it's uh, it's it's really important for for me and really kind of makes the show go. And and also, it should be noted that all the problematic questions or stuff you hear on our show, those are all from the from the rectangular triangle um you know metaverse bots right all the things yeah. you hear as if we're if we're making fun of other podcasts or if we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah if we're if we're doing anything like i don't know any anything you think we did is bad it was it was the bots it was the bots that got yeah. us yeah any bridges that we attempted to burn it wasn't <laughs> us it was uh bots it was it was russian bots it was foreign interference um, yeah, and we uh, we believe that we have and, found a way to to prevent that, which is to not allow anyone to use our service. That's that's the way right. that we're going to stop that from happening. <laughs> and also, by the way, too, if you hear us in the future, if there's any <laughs> podcast we're doing where we're like, uh, fellows, would you wife up a woman who did this? Yeah. Uh, and those kind of questions in the podcast, those are also from the boss. <laughs> that would be cool. We just start doing that's our way to, to branch out to the TikTok people is that we just start talking <laughs> like that guy. We just <laughs> I honestly think it'd be it'd be really funny if we did <laughs> if you and I had like a Josh Pate style studio uh-huh. where we talked about college football. But like the third mic was like a woman we brought on who thought yeah. we were doing like one of like the relationship podcasts. Okay. Where we're like yelling at her for like being like an OnlyFans girl who goes on one of the podcasts where it seems to be their whole business model is yelling at OnlyFans girls. Yeah. Also, what's up with those? How do what's the what's the money behind those? How does that work out? Um what the the fake TikTok podcasts where they have Are you familiar with these? Yeah, they yeah. do basically making only TikToks, they pretend to be podcasts. Yeah. I think we should do that kind of stuff, but for college football. That would be cool. I do also I like the idea that that's what Josh Pate is doing, that he's only making TikTok. <laughs> I think he does have the podcast. I've never actually I've not I'm gonna be honest. I haven't <laughs> see, I haven't sought that out. I don't uh <laughs> Dude, I, I I know we we've kind of already talked about the Georgia shit at length, but did you see his take on the Georgia stuff this past week? Uh, vaguely, I saw I saw you posting about it, and that was enough. I didn't yeah. want to actually really watch the clip, and so that was enough to confirm to me that I should sort of throw down a, right. a light, sort of a one handed jam on him, and uh, didn't want to try too hard on that. But I'll uh, I'll see to you. I trusted your judgment on that. Yeah, it was the first time I've ever watched even a full clip of his. Like, I had just mostly seen, like, yeah. oh, here's, like, 30 seconds of something Josh Pate says someone posted on my timeline. Maybe I'll yeah. click on this for some he, reason. And that's just never been worth it. He is brain dead. It's striking watching the video. <laughs> he is brain dead. There's no function in his... He has shark his... eyes, dude. Yeah, yeah he just no... has, like... <laughs> there's no function <laughs> in his mind. There's nothing going on up there. Uh, Who's the... um. 
Oh, who's the guy who bought the Wu-Tang album and like was the, did the pharmacy crimes? Oh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, Martin Shkreli. Uh, Shkreli? Yeah. Martin Shkreli? Yeah. Yeah. He basically has the exact same brain as Martin Shkreli, except he just like, I don't know, kind of grew up somewhere in the Mid-South, only knows college football. Yeah. And that was like his path to doing this is like, uh-huh. it's just the same thing of like, he will say or do anything for an extra dollar. Yeah. Like if he thinks that, you know, saying like, like anything that any player did was right or wrong based on like whatever, you know, whichever way the wind is blowing that day is going to get him like one extra, like, you know, click, mm-hmm. like he will simply say it. Like, there's just no question in his mind what's worth saying. Yeah. Um, Just like one of the true demonic influences in college football that we don't have enough of anymore. Like, it's nice to have a kind of guy like this back. He's, it's basically Mark May. If Mark May like wore skin tight t-shirts and, and kind of looked like a Lex Luthor clone. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was also like, I wasn't good at football. Yeah, right? I would almost say he's like Mark May if Mark May was like a skinwalker. Like he's he's some sort of he's like a he's like some sort of yeah. evil cryptid. He's because Mark May was just. I think Mark May was pretty obviously playing a character. I don't believe that Josh Page is playing a character. No, he believes this. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's an afreet. He's an afreet Mark May. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if you get that reference. That is a that is an evil Jin referred to in uh, Emily Bronte novel. Okay, um, so. <laughs> Little, little literary history for the fellas. That's, <laughs> one, hell, that's one hell of a pull. Um, yeah, I just I just watched the uh, the Emma Mackey biopic of uh, uh, of Emily Bronte on the plane home from Buenos Aires. So um, classic. Then I, then I went ahead and read some Wuthering Heights. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's kind of the stuff we're into here. This we're intellectuals podcast. Yeah. Well, and this is of course this is a podcast uh, flipping the field that would never do anything for for money or for you know to sort of pinch pennies <laughs> or uh, to try and make any extra money. And it is of course brought to you by MeetAtMidfield.com, which you can go to and you can actually. This is interesting. You can subscribe and you can pay us money for the sake of this podcast to, to get premium episodes. Uh, as well as access to the posts, the many posts, um, mm-hmm. including the written version of the Sunbelt preview, which we're about to do here on this show. Uh, and I think probably best of all, access to the message board, which continues to thrive even in the middle of July, which is, I would say, the worst possible time of year uh, for college football and also really just in general. It's it's just not a good time outside or, or really anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it is good over at Meet at Midfield, meetatmidfield.com over on the boards, over in the posts, in the premium episodes, all of that stuff. It's good, and many are saying it's good to give us money. We like to do it. It's it's just, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, and we're going to spend it on cool stuff, right? We're going to uh-huh. we're gonna give you more podcasts where we reference uh, like Victorian novels. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk, listen, if you want to hear me talk about Louisa May Alcott, I'll do it. Like I, I, We'll get on this podcast, we'll talk about that. Uh, you think I don't have some uh, some Dorian Gray in me? I-, I can talk about that if you guys want to hear it in the podcast. If you're going to subscribe based on this, we'll we'll, we'll do it. We don't uh, care. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hear me make up 30 more nicknames and insults for Josh Page for next week's episode, yeah, I will get in the writer's room and get like I'm writing tags for Don Draper right now. I do, I can do that in my sleep. That's no problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just ripping be- on guys who are just like kind of mildly annoying to me and being very cruel to them for no real reason mm-hmm. that's like my wheelhouse that's what i do yeah that's that yeah that is sort of that is the the key of this podcast and speaking of dorian gray josh pate is actually the dorian gray for joel Klatt. 
Um, and so it's interesting that they let Josh Pate also be in public because I don't think that was really how the original painting worked. Um, but he's kind of a uh, he's kind of a living version of that, where every yeah. time something bad happens to Joel Klatt or every time he's supposed to age, it just goes to Josh Pate instead. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Pretty I, cool do, setup I just there. I I really don't want to linger in the Josh Pate stuff too much, but I do have one more thing I want to say, which is uh-huh. like. How did P get this reputation among like seemingly among other media guys somehow? And to be fair, I, I think the ones we listen to for the most part, but like, yeah, just like regular beat writers of the country somehow think Josh Pate is like the smart guy in college media. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think his whole shtick, as far as I can tell, is like, he basically just takes whatever. And like, keep in mind, you know, local beat writers, pretty much every team in the country their job is to keep fans happy and to not report any real information or take any real takes yeah. that could be construed as negative against the program. It's just to like find, like say like, you know, like pressure lips real tight and say like, well, look, this is a tough, you know, this is a tough look for the program, but we're confident that so-and-so yada yada and just do some spin for the program. That's the whole job. And basically his job, as far as I can tell is to take that, but 5% less, uh, you know, less like, you know, like dug in, and five percent more earnestly somehow but wearing a tight t-shirt yeah. that's his whole job that's all he does yeah yeah and i mean we could be... he reads the message more basically he yeah. reads the message boards and he repeats but like you know dog hq or like yeah. uh you know um hog like beat. wildcat yeah. like wildcat weekly what are they saying this week yeah hogbeat.com places like that he's <laughs> he's perusing hogbeat constantly yeah my uh my plan is i'm gonna grab him by the ankles i'm gonna turn him upside down i'm gonna shake all of the lunch money out of his pockets that's what i'm gonna do with josh Pate, i think uh moving forward that's our big off-season plan we're gonna collab with him by uh just bullying him relentlessly um, we're going to walk him into the metaverse and then we're going to mug him. Uh, so anyway, this is the Sunbelt preview. Uh, we're going to start with the, with the East, which is loaded with a lot of name brands, but I think is also not as good as the West, at least not at the top. The West has, I think the two best teams in the conference. Uh, we'll get to that. We're going to start with the East though. And we're going to start with Appalachian state. Um, Kind of a disappointing year. I say, I say, kind of. It was, a, it was a pretty disappointing year for App State. They've had like two seasons in the last thirty years that were as bad as the one that they just had. Um, still went, I think, six and six, if memory serves, which is not a disastrous year for most programs. But this is not most programs. Um, and now they are not really starting over, but they do have some pretty big spots to fill, specifically at quarterback with Chase Bryce gone. Um, also worth noting yeah. here, kind of a strange little thing. Uh, Frank Ponce, who's the offensive coordinator here, in his third different stint with Appalachian State, he's back now. Mm-hmm. He spent one year at Miami. Uh, before that, he went with Satterfield to Louisville. Um, he has left and come back to App State on three different occasions. Um, maybe this time will be the charm that he sticks around. I think probably not. I think probably probably gonna get out of here as soon as he can again, um, because as they lose. Chase, Bryce, there's not a whole lot at quarterback to replace him. Um, the competition seems to be between redshirt freshman Ryan Berger, who was sort of the backup last year, but he redshirted, so he didn't play a whole lot, um, and Juco guy Joe Aguilar. I, I don't really like either of these guys. I don't really think there's mm-hmm. a whole lot to be excited about here, um, and I think it's kind of it's kind of concerning that they don't really have a quarterback. I feel like they should have gotten a quarterback. There were plenty of options on the board and it seems like they just didn't want to. Maybe they're confident in Ryan Berger. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I feel like they could do a little bit better than this. 
I do want to circle back really quick on your point about the offensive coordinator there, uh, Frank Ponce. Yeah. Um, you may not know this as well, just kind of a fun fact here for our listeners, uh, but Juan Ponce de Leon, uh, who was the the first ever European to settle into Florida, mm-hmm. uh, also had three tours the governor of Puerto Rico. Mm. Uh, 1508, 1509, 1510, 1511, 1515, 1519. <laughs> he was the first, third, and seventh governor of Puerto yeah. Rico. So kind of interesting honest. historic parallel there among the Ponces. Yeah, he comes by it honest. Yeah, it's in his blood. <laughs> <He's>, uh, yeah. <laughs> As getting getting an, getting an exclusive interview with him to ask him if he if he has any familial ties yeah, connections to Ponce. So uh, <laughs> that would be Frank. You're that would be really I, cool. I see your familial name. Yeah, Frank. You come from a family of people who are very wishy washy and can't quite decide what they want to do. You feel a sort of kinship <laughs> with Juan Ponce. <laughs> Uh, that would be good. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the the good news, I guess, on the offense is that pretty much everybody else is back. They do lose tight end Henry Pearson. They don't really have anybody to replace him. But uh, Nate Noel is back at halfback, as is Amani Marshall. And they added Navy transfer Mikel Haywood. Always very funny to see a, a service academy guy leave after two years. <laughs> I'm going to get the hell out of here. I don't want to actually do this. I just wanted two years. Um, they lose Cameron Peoples, but I, I think they'll be fine. I think Nate Noel is just as good, if not better. Yeah, very um, good player. And then the durability concern, though, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I think that's probably why they went and got Haywood, who is a, a very, very good big play back who I don't think is going to take a, a load of, of reps by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, uh, no, agreed on notes. I mean, I, I do think Noel is probably one of the best G5 running backs in the country. Um, Like you like you noted here, I am kind of curious to see what happens to the rest of the, the receivers and, and kind of the offensive skill core here as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I mean, Chase Price is a big loss. I, I, you know, P, like just losing Bryce and Peoples, even if there are competent people stepping up in their place, is a tough duo to replace at this level with the kind of talent they've run in lately. Yeah, especially because the offense wasn't that good last year anyway, right? Like they they had some some hitches and they were kind of weird last season, and and so they should take a couple steps forward this year in in spots like. Last year they had to replace all their receivers, and now all of the guys who stepped into those roles are back. Um, like Deshaun Davis in the slot, I think is pretty good. Christian Horn is a big play threat out wide. Caden Robinson is also here. Uh, he didn't really do a whole lot. Um, they did add a couple of transfers too, who I think are interesting at wide receiver. Scooby Ford from Mississippi State and Makai mm. Jackson, who is one of quite a few um, lower level wide receivers who jumped up to the Sun Belt, super productive at St. Francis. I'm interested to see if he makes a, a dent here. Um, I think the- St. Francis turned into a good football program is pretty wild. Yeah, like, I remember them being pretty shitty when I was a kid in the PA area. Um, hmm. Yeah, Where that, this ha- what's up with this? I don't yeah. know. It's very strange. It feels like they place like 15 transfers into D1 or into FBS schools every offseason. I feel like I'm constantly seeing St. Francis transfers jumping up. I don't know how they keep doing it. Um, I would assume that something nefarious is <laughs> is at play. That's usually the case in this sport. Um, I think the offense probably, it, it if the quarterback is competent, it probably comes out in the wash, and they're about what they were last year, which is fine. Uh, the the defense is really sort of where this 
program makes its name anyway, and I think that will continue to be the case this year. They need the offense to be competent, and I think that's going to come down to the quarterback play. Um, defensively, Dale Jones is gone. He was the defensive coordinator. I have zero thoughts on Dale Jones. They replace him with Scott Sloan, who has been around before, a uh, long-time mm-hmm. defensive coordinator throughout the sport. He is he's fine. I think he's okay. Um, the, <laughs> the group he inherits has... A couple strengths and then a whole lot to replace. On the line, they lose Jalen McLeod to Auburn, Nick Hampton to the NFL, Jordan Earl to graduation. Um, only one starter back on the line, and it's the the worst of the bunch, DeAndre Dingle Prince. He's he's a fine tackle. He just wasn't he just wasn't very good last year. He does have a very funny name as well. He's the Dingle Prince. <laughs> you can't just drop a DeAndre Dingle Prince. <laughs> I did. This, that's the thing, though. I did, and I did it without even giggling, which is <laughs> to be to be applauded. Um, oh, they, that's great. Um, also, just while we're on the names topic here. Mm-hmm. The McLeod thing. Can we standardize that? Like, can we just standardize the pronunciations here? Because what are the some of these guys go by somebody McLeod or McLeod. Okay. Some of these guys go McLeod. There just needs to just pick one. Hey, how about yeah. we all just pick one and just stick to it? See, I don't know how this kid pronounces his last name. I just went with it. It might be McLeod. Well, sure. I, I don't. Uh, I, I, yeah. honestly, if you could, I if you could please know. next week and going forward, please refer to the midfield pronunciation guy I put together for you. I'd appreciate that a lot. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the line, they're probably going to be, be depending pretty heavily on two Big Ten transfers, which is not the worst thing in the world if you're looking for defensive linemen. Sean Collins from Rutgers and Michael Fletcher from Michigan State, um, as well as on some some reserves. I'm a little worried about this defensive line. Uh, linebacker core, also a little bit worried about it. They do bring back Brendan Harrington, who missed all of 2022 with an injury. He was a very good starter before that. Um, he's pretty much it, though. Uh, the other guy back is Andrew Parker, starting linebacker on the in the inside. Um, but they lose Keyshawn Brown and Logan Dublin, uh, both two mm. uh, starters last year who were, I think, maybe better than the guys who are back. Um, and they're kind of looking to a bunch of guys who haven't played a whole lot to take over those spots, um, as well as some transfers. Thomas Davis from Miami and Jack Scroggs from Wofford. I always like the super productive FCS linebacker jumping up to the FBS. Seems like that works most of the time. I would guess it will here as well. Um but that is a lot to replace. Those are those are good starters to to fill in for, and it's even worse at cornerback because Stephen Jones is jo- is gone, and he was he was fantastic. Um, Dexter Lawson Jr. also gone. They were both starters last year. Lawson was not as good, but they're both starters, and they have to replace them. Um, I don't really know who's going to do that. I, I think Richmond transfer Tyreek Funderburk is probably going to fill one of those spots, but the other ones are are reserves. It's guys who haven't played a whole lot. Um, safety room is okay, at least. The safety room is is fairly stable, and that should help. Ronald Clark is back. Nick Ross is back. Um, and then they added a couple of transfers I like. E.J. Jackson from Marshall, who was a starter there, and Jarrett Paul from Kansas. Didn't play a ton there, but he did play a ton at Eastern Michigan, where he was before that. Um, I think the secondary will ultimately be fine, but I am worried about these cornerbacks. I'm worried about this defense's ability to create pressure. Um, and ultimately, I, I don't really think that this is a team positioned especially well to return to the top of the Sun Belt, which is not good for this coaching tenure. I don't I don't think App State is gonna stand for six and six or seven and five for all that long. I think they could even look to move on um with another just okay year. If they're around five hundred again this year, I would not be surprised if the job opens. Yeah, I mean I guess the tough part too is I know we talked a lot about kind of some of the talent drain from the G five levels in recent years. And while there are some good options in coaching, particularly, you know, you look at, you know, the Troy's Alabama's the word right now, have some good G five coaches available. 
I don't see like a lot of obvious candidates for App State, which sounds crazy for a job as good as App State. Yeah. But you do have to wonder like who they look to for that hire. I don't know. I'm sure people have already talked about this somewhere else and I'm, I'm kind of out of loop, but um, it, it, it's hard if, for me to see an easy natural successor here. I'm going to be honest. I don't know who the hell would have talked about that if, if not us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. But never mind. That's there's, there's Maybe. gotta be, I think app states the kind of program that has some sicko message boards though, right? Yeah. They have to. Yeah, they do. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I bet there are local people covering app state who have talked about it. Um, I think one candidate yeah. who, who would uh, very much like to have his name in the running is Frank Ponce, who I think is, is here <laughs> kind of for that explicit reason <laughs> is that he would like to be mm. a head coach and he saw an opening. I don't, I don't think he, he would admit to that quite yet but yeah. um that's... he's kind of like he's kind of like the puerto rican kevin Steele in a lot of ways <laughs> I've, I've always <laughs> said that about frank Ponce. yeah this job in general is interesting i think it's kind of like what we were talking about last year with boise state where you don't really know exactly what a search here would look like because we haven't really seen a search here it's always been just sort of guys from within the program or guys who were close to the the program's kind of lineage i, I don't know if they would look outside of that i don't know what that would look like um interesting to see i think that that could very much come to pass because as we jump to this schedule here um this i think this could go poorly i think that things could could break bad here for them especially if the quarterback play is not up to par um they start the season with a win over gardner webb presumably i don't think that they would lose that one um but then they're at north carolina they host east carolina and they're at wyoming as the first the first stretch of the season um, they're probably going to lose to North Carolina, right? I know we don't love North Carolina, but I don't imagine that App State is is ready to win that game coming, you know, week two. Yep, pretty easy one there. I mean, that's that's a pretty comfortable North Carolina dub. I will say that, like, I don't know if Nate Noel just ends up being like an absolute dog here. I, the North Carolina run defense is fairly suspect still. I mean, the D line the D line should be somewhat improved, but I am not buying stock in that run defense until I see it. Yeah. Um. So I guess maybe there's a scenario where I don't know App State gets a turnover here or there and you know, maybe controls the clock a bit and and keeps it close in the second half. But but I, I see North Carolina winning this one pretty comfortably. Yeah, I would also say I don't know if you're going to disagree with me on this one. I don't think they're going to beat Wyoming on the road. I don't feel good at mm. all about a team with a redshirt freshman quarterback going to Wyoming and playing against that defense. That is not that is not favorable. How um, do you envision Wyoming scoring points on the football field? I don't think they need to score that many points. I <laughs> I don't think that it's going to take all that much. And if nothing else, Wyoming has a returning quarterback and App State has two brand new corners. Um, I, I think Wyoming can get that done because I just, I don't know how App State's going to move the ball on that defense. Um, that would be, that is a, that's a very troubling matchup for me. That's a hard place to play, especially when it's really fucking hot in September, which it will be, um, I I don't I don't feel good about that at all for App State. I am uh, I am once bitten twice shy on on trusting Wyoming any way, shape, or form, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, we we do have our our role here that essentially you have the G five tiebreaker, I have the P five tiebreaker, so you can take that game. But uh, yeah. um, I, I'll, I'll lodge a I'll lodge a dissenting opinion here, but I'll, I'll let you have it. <laughs> okay. Next four are at Louisiana Monroe, Coastal Carolina at home, at Old Dominion, and Southern Miss at home. Um, good news here because they get the two toughest of these games at home. Um, I think it's probably three and one here. I think they lose to Coastal Carolina, but they win the other three. I, I I don't feel, as we'll talk about in a second, I still don't feel like amazing about this Coastal team, but they're experienced. They have the best quarterback in the conference, and I think that's going to be more than enough to win this win this game even on the road. Um, I, I think they're just uh, I think they're just better than App State this year. 
Also worth noting here is that App State uh, plays two games from September 30th until October 28th. Okay. Uh, <laughs> or rather from what is it, the, the day after September 30th. I mean, that's crazy. I don't know. Just yeah. like the way the bye week, like the uh, they have a Tuesday game against Coastal. Um, just some very bizarre timing here where they, they play very few games. I don't know. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, last four here. Marshall at home at Georgia State at James Madison and Georgia Southern at home. Um <laughs> It's tough because I want to believe in Marshall, but I don't. I, I don't believe in Marshall. I think a lot of people do. Uh, we'll talk about some of my issues with Marshall. I think that Marshall and, and App State are honestly pretty similar teams this year. Um, and App State having that at home makes me think that they win that game. However, they're going to lose at James Madison. I don't I don't know that there's a whole lot of teams in this conference who can win at James Madison, and I certainly don't think that this App State offense is going to be the one that does it. Um, I think it's probably a 3-1 and one finish to the season, which would put them at 8-4. and four. Um, That probably is enough to, to keep Sean Clark in town, but I don't know for how long. Yeah, um, uh, it's, it's just like... To me, he he he's the same as 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 Memphis. Right? Well, App State, Memphis are doing the same thing. Basically, yeah. I'm I'm just like not moved by this. You could be doing better. You should be doing better. Why keep settling for it? Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what the point would be unless there's just not an obvious candidate, which could be the case. You know, it, it could come around to to November and there's still not really a name that stands out. Um, personally, I probably would have just gone and hired Jamie Chadwell before Liberty did, but what do I know? Um, speaking of Jamie Chadwell, speaking of his former program, Coastal Carolina, next up here in the East. Um, if you've seen Coastal Carolina's offense recently, I think it's probably going to look pretty similar, even as they move over to the Tim Beck era. Ridiculous still that they hired Tim Beck, but I don't think you're going to even notice this year. I don't think that the Tim Beck influence is going to really start to show up until Grayson McCall is gone. Um, Grayson McCall is still here. CJ Beasley is still here. Reese White, Braden Bennett, Sam Pinckney, Tyson Mobley, Jared Brown. Like these are a lot of guys who have been here for a long time. They have some guys to replace on the offensive line, but I think Tim Beck probably knows what's good for him, and he's not going to change this offense until he has to. Uh, which I would I would expect is once Grayson McCall is gone, but he's not yet, and so I think it's going to be pretty much the same thing on offense that it has been for Coastal Carolina, and that is good news it's hard to it's hard to complain too much about thought that this this offense works and i think will continue to work hmm. yeah i mean if you think tim beck will just just do things right yeah i, I guess you could you could think that yeah i mean um, what else is he gonna do <laughs> with with grace and mccall what other <laughs> offense are you gonna run what, what man, i wish there's that we had any evidence of like tim beck taking over offenses that had really good quarterbacks at them and, mm-hmm. and just thinking well as long as he doesn't change anything too much should be fine i mean and then seeing him change things every time yeah yeah i just wish we had any evidence of him doing that 14 times i don't know that the issue with ohio state when tim beck took over was i'm not talking he... about just ohio state here yeah. we should clarify well yeah i mean i guess what I don't think that the issue with Tim Beck has ever been that he asks his teams to pass too much. I don't think that Tim Beck is going to be is going to be trying to force Grayson McCall into being a pocket passer. He he has been uh, more than willing to run his quarterbacks into the ground, and I think that for this team, that's probably the best thing to do. Right? That's I I would not I would not have a whole lot of issue if he runs basically what he did at Texas or at Ohio State with this offense. I think that would work fine. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I I just think he'll find the the worst possible path to having a mediocre offense. Like he'll find the most frustrating path to get you like a I don't know, roughly top forty scoring offense. Yeah. That's kind of his whole thing. He does love to have a top forty scoring offense as its like peak 
thing. Um, do you happen to know who he hired as his offensive coordinator? Are you are you aware of this? Oh no, no. <laughs> Is it Juan Ponce de Leon? Um, I be- <laughs> no, it's not Juan Ponce de Leon. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was Travis Trickett, but it appears that he has it, it, Wikipedia does not list him as being there. So I don't know who the hell he actually has. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who he's hired as his offensive coordinator. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I cool, thought, cool, I thought cool. that it was Travis Trickett, but I, I Googled it real quick to be sure, and it doesn't appear to be Travis Trickett. Who the fuck is his let's, offensive coordinator? Well, let's check the Coastal Carolina coaches page, see what he's got pulled up here. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm, um, it is, tra- it, it is they, Travis Trickett. Yeah, they yeah. list Travis Trickett. Well, that's not, that's not good at all. That's just not, that's just not what you want to see. Travis Trickett, um, by the look of his page, he kind of has like, it's hard to describe. He kind of has a 12-year-old smile, but like in a 55-year-old's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Travis Trickett, I've heard, loves to have a 12-year-old <laughs> smiling in a 55-year-old's body. Um, Come on. <laughs> parody. No need for that sort parody. Of thing. parody. Not true. <laughs> False. Uh, I'm just, sorry. I'm now just looking at pictures of all the guys at Tim has on staff. Uh-huh. Can you, are you still on the Coastal Carolina coaches page? And if so, can you click on Craig Navar for me? Uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me, let me pull this back up. Let me get a look at, let me get a look at old Craig. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a staff of, I would say old guys. I think this is distinctly an old guy staff. Um, yeah, which is, this is one of the old, this guy is like coded. <laughs> like he's like a 1930s hobo, like traveling the rails. Like, yeah. I don't know why all of the all of the headshots go go everybody if you're listening to this go look at the Coastal Carolina football coaching staff page um, because all of these headshots look like face tuned they're like weirdly smooth I don't know what they did there I don't know how they managed that really weird looking group of of guys they're all Travis Trickett is there's no way he's that smooth in real life I know Tim Beck isn't that smooth I don't <laughs> yeah Craig, Craig Navar kind of looks like his face is melting he looks like his eyes are sort of drooping down his face slowly as the picture is being taken it's it's uh it's a little bit upsetting to to view um but yeah, that's basically going to be the thing with the offense is how does this new staff operate running basically the same system? Because they're not going to change anything if they don't have to. Um, and so that's that's the main question for this offense. The defense has uh, more to do, I would say. The defense loses Jared Clark at nose tackle, loses Adrian Hope, loses Josiah Stewart, and a whole bunch of reserves from the line. Um, there are some guys here to like, some some internal replacements who were largely reserves last year. And then they did add a couple transfers uh, at defensive end with Carlos Hatcher from Tulane and Michael Mason from Wofford. Uh, I think this line is pretty obviously worse than it was a year ago. Uh, and the line was sort of the, the shining you know, part of the defense last year, and it was not a very good defense. So I, I, they're, they're going to need to fill in some spots there. Uh, they do have some help. At linebacker, JT Killen is back as well as both of his co-starters, Shane Bruce and Trey Pinkney. They're they're good. That's a good group. The nickel and safety room is also intact with Charles Arnold and Josh Madison back. But the rest of the secondary is sort of a mess. They they lose starting safety Jerry and Parker. They lose three of their top four cornerbacks. Um, they're going to be depending on a lot of new faces here. They're going to be depending on a lot of reserves here. Uh, I don't, I don't feel great about the secondary. I think the linebackers are really kind of the strength of the defense. I think the defense probably stays pretty bad, which is what it was last year. Uh, but the offense is right up there with the best in the, in the conference. And that will keep them afloat. I, this, this, it, it feels like kind of more of the same here for Coastal Carolina, which is roughly nine and four, like they did last year. 
Yeah, um, that tracks to me. I, I think I can play ball here on that. I, I mean, I'll tend to agree with it. Um, I don't know. They just feel like they have enough. They didn't lose like such a quantity of talent. They, they shouldn't kind of continue on as they were, right? Like, this yeah. should be a team that's still around the top of the conference. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're also pretty fortunate in like, kind of how their challenges and the schedule are spaced out, yeah. right? Like, they're not kind of, they don't have any kind of murderer's row here where they have you know, five difficult opponents in a row or something like that. They're they're pretty well spread out, which is nice. Yeah, they start first four games are at UCLA, Jacksonville State at home, Duque, Duquesne at home, and I almost said Duquesne. That's not right. Um, mm. <laughs> and Georgia State at home. I think that's that's three and one. I don't imagine that they're going to beat UCLA, but those other three should be pretty simple wins. Any any complaints there? No, no, I'm with you. Uh, next four, then it's uh, this. This is a this is probably the toughest stretch of the season. There is a break game in here, and I don't know that the first game is really all that hard, but this is still a pretty tough stretch at Georgia Southern, at App State, at Arkansas State, and then Marshall at home. Um, that's that's a tough stretch. I said they're going to beat App State. I think that they will. I, I think honestly they probably go three and one here and manage to lose the one home game against Marshall, uh, just because that's that's a rough it's it's hard to come back from those three straight road games and not be a little bit worn out. Uh, I, I think it's three and one. And I would, I would say, like I said, I think the loss is to Marshall, but three and one with a, a possible I, loss. I'm not trying to play the schedule spots. guy thing here again, but I do want to point out really quick that it is, it is three theoretically three straight road games. There is a buy in the middle there. Yeah. And also they're playing two games, the 28 days prior to Marshall. Yeah. Um, God, that's so weird. Like, what a weird it's just like with this inclusion of the weird like well i think it's one week where teams play tuesdays uh each in the Sun Belt. yeah it sets up some bizarre schedules like that so basically they play georgia southern they have 10 days they play app state they have 11 days they play arkansas state and they play have seven days to marshall yeah so they are getting some rest in the middle there i will point that out just worth considering yeah and then they close down the season at old dominion texas state at home at army and james madison at home i think it's four or no to close the year and they end probably 10 and two um the they just i think they could lose maybe three or four games in this schedule i think james madison's losable marshall app state ucla is obviously losable but it's hard to see a whole lot more than that right it's i mean maybe you lose at army if the defense is really bad but i i it's the the floor is really high here i think that it would be hard for them to fuck this up and go worse than like eight and four or nine and three i have them at 10 and two and probably winning the east yeah, uh, I can rock with that. I, I think, like you said, it's it's the schedule to favorably toward them, especially if they can get over App State here. I am uh, I am willing to rock with ten and two. Yeah. Next up, Georgia Southern. Uh, really, if you know about Western Kentucky, I think you know about Georgia Southern because Clay Helton is doing the exact same thing that Tyson Helton is doing. I mean, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. They're running the same system. They're recruiting the transfer portal in basically the same way. He's doing the same thing. Uh, Kyle Vantrese is out at quarterback. They're going to replace him with one of three transfers. I would guess it's Davis Brin from Tulsa. I don't love that, but I also didn't love when they signed Kyle Vantrese and then he threw for 4,000 yards. Other option here is Bo Allen. I think it's interesting. He's very good at Tarleton State last year, formerly a four-star for Kentucky. I would keep an eye on him, but I would guess Davis Brin gets the job. Um, rest of the offense is pretty much intact as well. Jalen White's back at halfback. Wide receiver room brings back Derwin Burgess and Caleb Hood. Hood was awesome for them last year. He was really, really good in the slot. Um, they lose Jeremy Singleton, but they have a bunch of transfers here as well. 
uh, specifically Jalen Barden from Pitt, San, is it San Lewis? I think it's San Lewis from Kentucky, and Anthony Queeley from Syracuse, who was, I think, like a 30-plus reception guy a couple years ago. It's a yeah. good group. I think this wide receiver group will be totally fine. Honestly, I think the offense is going to look exactly the same as it did last year. I don't think there's going to be any drop-off at all. Yeah, worth noting that you just, I mean, they throw the fucking piss out of the ball here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, it's As much as it did annoy me, I think it's kind of mildly working for them, too. I guess. I mean, if you want to go roughly seven and five, I think that what they're doing is probably a good way to do that. I just, I don't know yeah, why I, you would want to do that. I feel like they can I, do I guess the question that. is, do, do, I don't think the, the holdback that was on their offense performance. I think it's on the defense. Yeah. Well, and it's not going to get any better this year either. They, they bring in Brandon Bailey, who's the new DC from Buffalo. He was, I think last year he was the youngest coordinator in America. I don't know if he still is. Um, he doesn't get a whole lot <laughs> on this defense. Christian Varner is back at defensive tackle. He's the only starter returning on the line and basically the only player returning on the line with any experience. They have no defensive ends with any sort of proven yeah. uh, contribution. Christian Varner, by the way, that is like the name of a 90s movie bully. Yeah, I believe he's a P5 transfer of a couple years ago. I don't remember from where. Um, yes, he does sound like a like a Rocky villain. Um, yeah, he was in North Carolina. Okay, yeah. Uh, linebacker Marquez Watson Trent is back. He was okay. Uh, his his uh, partner last year, uh, Kadri Jackson, was awful. One of the worst G five linebackers I've ever watched. He was. He, it looked like he didn't know what he was what he was doing. He he didn't know how to play football. Um, they added a couple transfers here who I think both could potentially be starters. Terry and Lee from Texas A&M and D2 All-American Davon Gilmore. I would be very interested to see what those guys do this year because these linebackers were really bad last year. Uh, secondary loses every starter and we'll look again to the transfer portal. Brandon Call- Callaway is here from Purdue. Uh, Demel Hickman from ECU. Uh, and then I think probably the two best players on this defense are Kansas State safety T.J. Smith and Washington safety Cameron Williams. Smith is really good. I think Smith is going to be one of the best players on this team, but this defense has has no depth, and honestly, outside of Smith and <laughs> Varner, has no players who I even like. I, I this is a this is a bad defense. It was really bad last year. I think it's going to be just as bad, if not even worse, this year. And it will again hold them back. They they lost several games last year while scoring like thirty plus points, and I think that's going to be the same thing this year. Yeah, um, I am. Uh, I'm with you on there. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like this is a program that's one not scheduled very well, two not going to make any strides on defense, and and three just still suffering from a difficult schedule against teams that are, are kind of much more talented, better coached than them. I just don't see, I don't really see the path for Southern this year. I don't really see what their, what their upside is. Yeah. In the non-conference, I think they've, they've scheduled themselves a couple should be wins. They've got the Citadel and UAB at home <sighs> to start. And then they're at Wisconsin and at ball state. Are we, sh- are we sure they beat UAB? Like, I, I don't know. I like mean, I, I know it's Trent Dilfer, but. I think a lot of teams are going to beat UAB this year. I, I, I would feel better about them beating UAB than I would about them beating Ball State. I think they could lose to Ball State. Um, I don't think they're going to lose to UAB. I think UAB is going to be like 2-10 or 1-11 this year. That's a that's a bad team. Um, and then obviously they get the shit kicked out of them by, by Wisconsin. That's going to be a fun game for Wisconsin's defense to just kind of 
try itself out just before tee it has off to... on some <laughs> on some poor <laughs> wannabe quarterback just yeah. davis brand getting shelled alive yeah yeah that'll be fun so I, I i think it's i don't know that i would say they're gonna lose to ball state though because ball state's offense is really bad and i don't know that it can keep up um so i think it's a three and one star which is really the going to be the best part of the season for them because then it is coastal carolina at home at james madison ulm at home and georgia state at home that's two and two they lose the two east gate or they lose the first two and then win the next two um and then they close the year at texas state at marshall old dominion at home and at app state um this looks a lot like last year i i, I think that it's probably going to be they split those last two which would put them at what is that seven and five that seems that seems about right I, I think seven and five is roughly what this team is capable of. Yeah. Um, again, I'm with you. Like you said, that is kind of the wheelhouse season for them. It's kind of just what you expect. That is uh, that is down the middle, kind of just the, <laughs> the expectation for this team. Yeah. Um, just, we they, are on to the other. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they just don't have a defense. They, they No matter what the yeah. offense is capable of doing, there's not going to be a defense here. And I don't think there's going to be a defense here anytime soon. Um, which is going to limit the ceiling a little bit. <laughs> you need to play defense to win football games. Allegedly. A lot of people do say that. We'll, we'll see. If we, we, there's no way to know if it's true or not. Yeah. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll find out one day, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, staying in the state of Georgia, moving to Georgia State. Uh, bad year. Really bad year in 2022. I think that they kind of need this one to keep the Sean Elliott experience going um i don't know that they're gonna get this one i think that this might be a, a not great year for georgia state again um they do have darren granger back at quarterback last year was not the year that i was hoping it would be i'm sure it was not the year that they were hoping it was going to be he was fine he just did not take that extra step forward they really need him to now because the skill core loses tucker greg and jamius williams at halfback and of course wide receiver uh jamari thrash what do you think about jamari thrash are you a jamari thrash guy I am honestly Jamari Thrash guy. I do like Jamari Thrash. I had him, I think, quite high on my uh, on my list of receivers. There, I have to pull that up actually. Um, but my I, my recollection is that I had him really, really high. And uh, let's see, let's get this pulled up and see where he finished at. Yeah, um, he was really good for them last year, and I, I think they will. I don't know exactly how they're going to replace him. Robert Lewis is back. I love him. I think he's going to be really good. Um, Josiah's yeah. Creedle as well. I think the the receivers are are the ones who are back are decent. Jakari Carter is here from Merrimack as well, but Thrash yeah. was super super productive for them yeah. last year. He was kind of their main guy. I, I had him finishing fifteenth on my list in between Xavier Worthy and uh, Juice Wells out of South Carolina. Yeah, which is pretty good company. Yeah. Um, he had uh, what is it here? Let's see here. Uh, he had fourteen receptions of twenty of more than twenty yards uh, last season. Uh, and a per catch average worth 18 yards. Yeah. Uh, which just means like if you do the math there, I mean, just like just nonstop deep bond. Yeah. Uh, very, very good player. I, I was very interested to see him play for Jeff Rom too. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing is that Darren Granger throws a really nice deep ball, but I don't know who he's going to throw him to this year. I don't, I don't think that Creed or Lewis are really deep threat guys. I don't think Carter's really that kind of guy. Um, and there's just not a whole lot of deep threats on this roster, honestly. They've got a couple tight ends who I like, Chris Bird and Amon Green, but I don't know that there's going to be a huge vertical aspect to this passing attack, and I think that's probably going to hold it back. The rushing attack could be okay. Marcus Carroll's back. He was between number two or number three last year at halfback, and then they added Freddie Brock from Maine. Offense was not really the issue for them last year. I don't think it'll be the issue for them this year, but I still don't see this as being a, a top-of-the-league or any near anywhere near it honestly group which is going to be a problem because the defense is 
starting over with a new DC and also with a whole lot of new players. It, it's uh, things are just not ideal here. I don't think that the the depth of talent is such that they can seriously compete for much of anything. Um, Chad Staggs is the new defensive coordinator here, who I do like from Coastal mm. Carolina. They, his last year there was not great, but I think he did some pretty good things there. And I love the linebackers on this defense. John Trey Hunter is awesome at off uh, outside linebacker. I think that they are pretty good on the inside as well, Justin Abraham. It's just that the rest of the defense is kind of not in a great place. They lose basically all their linemen. Um, Brequise Brown is the only guy back in the secondary. He was their number one corner last year, so it's good to have him back, but he's it. They're going to look to a couple FCS transfers to fill in some spots there. Um, I think it's kind of a rebuilding year for the defense and for the offense. I just don't know that there's going to be a guy to pair with Granger that makes it a, a a top of the league or near top of the league group, which means you know, you're you're fighting to get to a bowl game, basically, and I don't know that that's going to be enough because I don't think they're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting here, by the way, just kind of their their tactics on the defensive side you're talking about here. As you mentioned, it doesn't seem like they have the juice, but, like, their pursuit, so there are a couple, as you know, to P5 transfers in this group, but primarily went after, like, proven guys from other, like, lower-level programs. Yeah. You know, the transfer from Lehigh, the transfer from, I think, two Lehigh guys, right? They had a, they had a Bucknell kid. Like guys who are proven starters. It's interesting kind of philosophy to pursue here. And I wonder how it translates for them. I'm kind of curious to see it um, going almost entirely all in on that, as opposed to maybe taking a, a P five guy, maybe some more talent who's cast on, maybe a better body type, whatever, but, but going more for proven performers. Yeah. I'm looking forward to kind of tracking that. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. I think that that could be, and, and maybe that could be the thing that raises the floor on the defense and gets them closer to competing for it or making a bowl game, which I think is what they need to keep Sean Elliott around. Um, you look at this schedule, and it starts off pretty well. <laughs> it's Rhode Island at home, UConn at home, at Charlotte, and at Coastal Carolina. I would say that's a 3-1 and one start uh, pretty comfortably. I don't know that they're going to face a whole lot of resistance in, in that group before they play Coastal Carolina, honestly. Yeah, uh, you're not buying on the Biff train? No, not yet, I would say. <laughs> I, think, I think we're still a little ways away from me believing in the Biff, in the Biff train. Have you, have you been following? We should have shown this at the start of the pod, but... His like public beef with their boosters. Have you been seeing this? Yeah, I saw I saw a little bit of it that he was like, what was it? He, they, the program needs more money. Is that what he was saying? Isn't that what he was hired for? Weren't you the money guy? What are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean? What are you talking that about? That is, that is it. He all, there's also someone else. I forget. I think it was one of their fans. They weren't trying to be app state. They're trying to be Ohio state. Yeah. That was their plan at Charlotte, which is pretty funny. I have to respect that's, that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> that's really awesome. That's a very yeah. funny thing to aspire for when you've like never had a winning season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty excited about that one. Uh, basically, we, we need Wyatt to get things in line down there. I don't know what Wyatt's doing. He needs to be just rounding these guys up and, and taking care of this whole situation. Yeah. Um, so Georgia State, I think, starting three and one. The, <laughs> All right. The next, yeah, I, yes, I agree on, on Charlotte. Uh, the next four games, it's uh, uh, kind of a return to earth here. Troy at home, Marshall at home, at Louisiana, and at Georgia Southern. Uh, I don't know that there's a win in that bunch. I, I would actually feel pretty good about saying that that's 0-4, um, which is not ideal because then you go into the last four which is James Madison at mm. home, App State at home, at LSU, and then at Old Dominion. They can beat Old Dominion. I don't think they can win any of those other games, which would be four and eight. Really tough schedule for them here. This is. Not- I, I would also argue, by the way, like going off of a 
what is it, a one and seven stretch going into Old Dominion? Mm-hmm. That I would I would probably not bet on them uh having the team together enough to win that game. Like I don't think they're that much better than Old Dominion that, that I would say they win on the road coming off that stretch. That's fair. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're gonna talk about Old Dominion and it's uh backup FCS quarterback who they're gonna rely on. <laughs> yeah, could. I'm not saying Old Dominion's <laughs> in a great spot, don't get me wrong, but I, yeah. I'm just that yeah. that that could yeah. be I'm I'm curious to see if they're on an interim coach at that point. I think that, that could very much that is a uh I, I would What's say that's point? a possibility. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Something to do. Way to pass the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, probably not a great year here for Georgia State. The the uh, possibility being that Darren Granger is awesome and that they do take a step forward, but I, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would bet on that. I did last year and it didn't work, so I'm a little bit gun shy about that now. Uh, next up, James Madison. Uh, basically mm. basically a full rebuild on offense, which is rough. The offense was awesome last year. This team was awesome in general last year. Really, really amazing first season for them. Um, they are losing Todd Santeo at quarterback. They're losing their top halfback. They're losing Drew Painter from tight end. Uh, they're losing Chris Thornton, really, really good slot receiver. Terrence Green, another starter. Devin Ravenel, another contributor at wide receiver. Um, line is intact, which will help, but it's a lot of new faces for, for this offense as they go into year two at the, at the FBS level. Um, quarterback battle is really strange. <laughs> They've got redshirt freshman Alonzo Barnett, the third, who seems to be really well liked within the program, uh, is battling primarily, it seems like with Arizona transfer, Jordan McLeod, who you might remember is a former starter at USF. He was honestly pretty good there. It seems like McLeod is the leader in that battle. I don't feel great about either of those guys, but also I didn't feel that great about Todd Santeo and that worked out really well for him. So I, I would not bet against the quarterback development here. I think that McLeod or Barnett will end up being fine. Um, running back room has two good reserves back, Kalon Black and Latrell Palmer. Also adds uh, Stony Brook transfer Tyson Lawton, who was a 2,000-yard rusher there. Not in one year, but overall. Um, and then out wide is really the place for all of the new faces they bring back reggie brown who was fine but i really like this transfer group they've got they brought they brought in uh omarion dollison who is a slot guy at usf i think former blue chip guy if memory serves uh as well as fcs freshman all-american elijah surratt who's the brother of a guy on their defense from again saint francis and uh north dakota state transfer phoenix sproles really good name um i think the offense will be fine honestly i think it's going to be worse than it was last year because it sort of has to be but they have they've replaced guys before on this offense and it has always stayed good i just i believe in the system at this point that they will be they will be fine to good again this year yeah i, I am uh, one of the other transfers that you mentioned as much was uh pitts kai Wright. yeah i transferred at tight end um a kid i'm very curious to kind of see play this was a super super talented dude at the high school level early on was like I, I think as a freshman and sophomore was something like an all was like an all American nationally and then kind of never really developed past that point had some injury problems yada yada played for Pitt a little bit like twenty five career games over four years but over five years maybe mm-hmm. it's he's either in his fifth or sixth year and let's see twenty um it, he'll be entering his fifth year of college football I guess but Damn. has been around quite a while uh, and has been banged up a lot of it but uh, I don't know I'm kind of curious who he does late in his career still still a talent I think is like one of those prototype H style tight ends, like just yeah. a guy who can, who can really kind of be effective in the, in the blocking game as well. I can see him getting some serious reps and, and, and you know, along with Lawton playing a lot here. 
Yeah, well, and that's the thing with this offense, too, is that they are so good at using guys like that. They're so good at making making do with uh, sort of unique body types and unique player yep. styles. Um, I think that they could absolutely find a, a spot where we're talking about him at the end of the year as like an all-conference kind of guy. Uh, I don't know exactly what that role will look like, but they are... This is a dangerous offense to have that sort of yeah. guy in because they're really good at using those players. Um, Kate Stover style individuals, kind of what we're looking for here. <laughs> yeah, Kate Stover style, and you have to think that he should be considering a transfer to James Madison. <laughs> um, if the offense is fine, the this team will be totally fine because I think this defense is going to be awesome. The defense was really good last year. Um, just they just fly to the ball. They are they're so fast. They're so physical, um, and they bring back pretty much everybody that they would need to bring back. They The line has two really good starters to replace. Um, Isaac Ukwu, or Ukwu from a, a defensive end, mm. who was a late departure to uh, Ole Miss, who uh, I guess wasn't super happy with their spring practice because after spring camp, they went in and just grabbed every G5 transfer they could get, <laughs> just tampering with as many guys as possible because they didn't like the players that they had. It is cool that Lane Kiffin just hates his team. Uh, you you got you to gotta respect that, <laughs> um, as, as well as uh, Jamari Edwards at defensive tackle. But um, I think they're going to be totally fine on the line. Uh, Abby Nwabuoku, I think is how you say it, Okanji, uh, is awesome. He was really, really good defensive end. He, I think, honestly, is probably the better of the two last year and will be a star this year. Um, and then opposite him, Jalen Green and uh, Mikhail Kamara are both fine. They were good contributors last year. And then James Carpenter, who's been here forever at defensive tackle, remains uh, joined probably by Marshall Transfer, Emmanuel Bush. This is a totally fine defensive line. I think they're going to be good again, just like they were last year. Another part of this program that just seemingly just rebuilds every year. I don't have any reason to doubt it that it, that it will again this year. Um, linebacker group is, I think, the best in the conference, at least this starting pair of uh, Taurus Jones and Jalen Walker. They're both fantastic, and they will be again this year. Uh, secondary is the only place that really concerns me. They lose Jordan Swan, who is their top cornerback, as well as Sam Kidd, who is a starting safety. But this cornerback room is young and I think super talented. Chauncey Logan's back, Brent Austin, Devin Coles behind him. Um, and then the safety group is still, I think, okay. Josh Surratt's back. He was a really good starter for them at safety last year. And then they also bring back both of their rovers, um, which are uh, they're sort of their adjuster safety that they can play a little bit of everywhere. I think this is one of the best defenses in the Sun Belt and will be the thing that leads this team. It's just the ceiling is going to be set by the offense and by honestly, probably the passing attack with a new quarterback. They start the season Bucknell at home at Virginia, at Troy, at Utah State. Really interesting way to start the year. Um, I think they're going to lose at Troy, but I think they win those other three games. Uh, we've, we've not previewed the ACC yet, but I would assume you are also under the impression that Virginia is going to be uh, catastrophically bad, which has been what I have, <laughs> what I've sort of picked up That is up what on. I've been thinking. Yeah, I would, I would assume that that is the case. Uh, so I think it's a three and one start. And then they get South Alabama at home, Georgia Southern at home, at Marshall and uh, Old Dominion at home. I don't know that they're going to beat South Alabama, and I don't know that they're going to beat Marshall, but I think they beat Georgia Southern and Old Dominion. I would say it's two and two there. I just, I don't know how I feel about a new quarterback against that South Alabama defense. I. 
I actually, you know what? I do know how I feel about it. Bad. I feel bad about it. I don't think you should do it. I think you should find find a, a veteran quarterback who's played for your team for four years if you're going to go up against that defense. That would be my recommendation. Same with Marshall. Uh, I think it's two and two there. And then they close the season at Georgia State, UConn at home, App State at home, and at Coastal Carolina. Um, probably three and one down the stretch. I think they, I don't remember if I gave that to Coastal or not. I, I don't, it's gone. It has left my brain permanently. I think it's three and one to finish. I think that there are uh, roughly eight and four, which is a good season with a, a pretty tricky conference schedule. Yeah. All right. Next up, Marshall, uh, which is sort of looking to continue off of the really strong finish that they had to last season. They won, I think it was like six or seven in a row to end the year. It's kind of a breakthrough that they had been looking for for Charles Huff. Um, the offense had nothing to do with it at all. Uh, we'll start with that offense. They bring back Cam Fancher, who was the starting quarterback last year. doesn't seem like they feel all that good about him because they added in TJ McMahon from Rice. I don't really know that that would be a solution to the quarterback problem because he wasn't good either but that's what they've done that's 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 who they've got it's gonna have to be one of them I would assume it's Fancher I don't feel great about either one of them um good news is that the halfback room even without Kalen LeBourne who ran for 1500 yards last year is still one of the best in the G5 because of Rasheen Ali who is phenomenal missed most of last season um, famously ran for like 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns as a true freshman. I, I don't see any reason that he won't be able to do that again this year. He's he's so good. I'm really excited to see a full season, hopefully a full season of him again this fall. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is like a, just a guy that it's impossible to also predict too when you kind of miss time like that. Um, it, yeah. It's hard to know what to expect from him like going into this year. Like missing a whole season like that, it's kind of hard to recover, especially at that position. Uh, it's a it's a position where if your body starts breaking down, you don't want to kind of see. Obviously, it's fairly easy to continue degrading from there. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I mean, at, at, when healthy, just an incredible player. Yeah. Uh, out wide, they lose Corey Gamage and Devin Miller, uh, which is that's tough. Those are two good players. I think Gamage is is maybe a little bit overrated this offseason. I don't know if you're high on Gamage, but he was still pretty productive for them last year. Um, and I don't know exactly how they're going to replace him. They brought in some transfers. I don't love any of them. Kentucky's Demarcus Harris, McNeese State's Mason Pierce, and Saint or, uh, Stephen F. Austin's uh, Daryl Simmons. They also have Charles Montgomery back in the slot, Talik Keaton, who was fine for them last year. I'm sure they can find something here, but I don't know that even for a guy who isn't super high on gamage like me, I don't know that they have anyone there who can really replace what he did for them last year and also I just don't know that this offense is that good I just don't think I have a whole lot of faith in this offense being an overall you know solid unit I think they're probably going to run the ball pretty well but I've not yet seen it under Charles Huff and I'm not sure that I'm going to see it I just don't love what they do on that side of the ball Mm. And it's bizarre because you'd expect him to be better at that, right? You'd expect him to have kind of more of a, a system built there. And, and it just seems like he hasn't really had any kind of continuity or consistency to it. Yeah. Uh, which is obviously a challenge going forward. But you would expect um, that, I'd say. You <laughs> you would, uh, yeah. It's, uh, kind, it's of, kind of his whole thing. Yeah. Kind of disappointing that he doesn't have that. They had a top 10 defense both of the last two years, and the offense sort of let it down. I don't really know. I don't really know what the deal is with that. I think that his offense should be better than it is, and it just it just hasn't been so far. Maybe it is this year. Maybe this is the time that it steps forward. Um, they kind of need it to be because the defense loses Lance Guidry uh, to, what is it, Miami? He, he went to Tulane originally, and I think he landed at Miami. Um, 
the the defense also loses Kobe Cumberlander and Anthony Watts from the defensive line. Owen Porter's back, who's really really good at defensive end. Um, but it's a lot of transfers here. Honestly, it's it's a lot a lot of transfers. They got Eli Neal back at linebacker, added some transfers to go with him. Kashawn Brown, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, as well as Tom McBright from Incarnate Word and former Florida State contributor Stephen Dix Jr. Um, secondary is pretty mm. much the same story. They le- they lose uh, Stephen Gilmore, who was really, really good for them for several years, and they bring in a whole bunch of new faces. Miles Bell from UConn, uh, Ishmael Ibrahim from Texas, Josh Moten from Texas A&M, J.J. Roberts from Wake Forest, um, they need a lot of those guys. They, they added a ton of transfers. It, we've said before, I'll say again, Charles Huff does not want to be here for very long. I think that he is desperately trying to get a bigger job than this and, and is really hitting the portal pretty hard to try and parlay last season into one more good year and then parlay that into a P5 job. I think they probably can do that. They have a lot of talent. They have maybe the most talented roster in the conference, but I still don't know if he can coach is the thing. I still don't really know if I believe in him as a head coach. I think he sort of got lucky last year. Yeah, I, I tend to to catch all that with you. I, I guess the idea is just like have the coordinator hires upgrade enough that he basically has, is able to step back. I, I think the answer is no, right? He's those other coordinators you want to see to him, like him be able to just be the CEO, yeah. the recruiter, and have the knowledge that he's not that good as a, as a play caller. Yeah, not, I mean, yeah, not this year he doesn't. I don't think, last year I think the coordinators were better than they were this year. Um, They will get a little bit of a runway here because they start the season with Albany at home at ECU, Virginia Tech at home, and Old Dominion at home. That's four wins, right? I don't don't think Virginia Tech's going to be anything special this year, and I don't think ECU's going to be anything special this year. I I would be, I would be pretty confident in saying that that's a four or no start. Sounds about right to me. Um, I, I don't know, though, that... Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess you're right. I, uh, I mean, Virginia Tech, is there any chance they just out-talent them here? Maybe. Uh, is Virginia Tech more talented than Marshall? Yeah, even if they're not, I, I don't know. Like, I, I see at East Carolina and Virginia Tech as losable games for them. Yeah. Although I would bet on them to probably win both games. Um, hmm. That's a, that's a game Brett Pry should win. Uh, I'll say that Brent yeah, Pry should. <laughs> should should really uh, should really make a point of trying to win that one. Yeah, I would not mess around too much there, losing another one of these games. Well, um, I don't know that I don't know that he's going to have a whole lot of say in the matter. <laughs> I, I'm not saying he's. I, I understand what you're saying here, but I mean, like, if he wants to keep this job and, and have a chance of being a head coach again, like, better find a way to win it. Yeah, I think Brent Pry should try having a good team instead of a completely dog shit team. I think he should he should he should look into that. It might be good for his long term prospects to have a good team instead of an awful one. Hmm. Yeah, you should get a good team, dude. If you try getting a good team, yeah. uh, that's that's work I would work on if I were you. Yeah, we're asking Frank Ponce about his ancestors. We're going to asking Brent Pry about if you tried having just a good team <laughs> instead of a bad one. <laughs> did, you, did you? Why don't you just recruit good players instead of the ones who suck, like the ones you have right now? You just make your roster better. It seems like it'd be really easy. Um, get a good player, dude. Just get a good player. It's not that hard. Yeah, come on. What's the problem? <laughs> What's causing issues here? Just get good players. Uh, next up, at NC State, then at Georgia State, home against James Madison, and at Coastal Carolina. This is not a fun stretch. This is a this is a rough run of games here, especially when it's then at App State after that. Um, losing at NC State, I think that they can beat Georgia State. I don't remember if I said that they were going to beat James Madison. 
Um, I think we had them losing James Madison. Did we? I think that I think I might have said that those, that was one of the games that James Madison could lose because it's against that defense. I, I, I would I would feel I don't feel great about James Madison there, and then I think they lose to Coastal. So I think it's probably two and two here. Okay, and then going forward, we have them closing the four final four closing games to close are at App State, home against Georgia Southern, at South Alabama, and home against Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Um. The South Alabama game, I think, is a clear loss, right? Yeah, I think it's three and one there. I think they lose to South Alabama and they win the other three, which would be a nine and three season. That would be good enough to get him a job, right? That's what Charles Huff wants is to get a bigger job. That would do it. That should do it. Maybe App State, right? Maybe I don't know. Do you just leave Marshall for App State? Is that worth it? God, well, uh, yeah, yes, I think it. Well, is it for what he wants to do? If you just want to hit the the portal and you know, recruit really hard in general. Is App State a better place to do that than Marshall? Well, well, I don't think nine and three at Marshall is going to get a Power Five job. I don't think any Power Five program is high enough back of that. I'll say that. Oh, Power we, Five we've... programs have hired a lot of coaches. I, I, would... I understand <laughs> that. I understand that. But like looking at who's available this year, I do think there are like some of the coordinators that have been maturing and some of like the G five coaches who have maybe done it longer than him so far have had more success than that. Yeah, it's hard for me to see Charles Huff like being that high on the wish list. Um. I don't know. I think I have to see a lot more than nine and three for him. Me to think he gets like a, a power five job worth taking. Yeah, that could be. Uh, last one here in the East. One I will not linger too long on. The other teams I think are deserving of a lot more attention than this one. Old Dominion, which replaces all of its good players with bad ones. Uh, Hayden Wolf is gone at quarterback. Blake Watson's gone at halfback. Allie Jennings is gone at wide receiver. Um, the new quarterback who I alluded to earlier is Grant Wilson, who was a backup at Fordham, a career backup, never a starter. Uh, he's following his OC, Kevin Decker. Um, that's not good. That's not good at all. I don't think when you're transplanting the backup quarterback from an FCS school to be your starter at an FBS school in a really good G5 conference, I don't feel good at that about that even a little bit. Um, he will get some help from uh, probably Kadarius Callaway at halfback, former four-star Alabama signee who was good in the JUCO ranks. Um, but there's not a whole lot else on this offense, and I don't think they're going to get a whole lot of help from the defense, which loses two of its best starters on the line loses a decent chunk of their linebacker production, has only safeties back in the secondary. Um, like I said, I don't really want to linger on this team too long. I think they're bad. I think they're going to be really bad this year. I, I, it's a, I think it's a bottoming out year after last year was already kind of a bottoming out year. There's just not a whole lot to like on this on this mm-hmm. roster. A lot of bottoming on this roster. It's, it's not, you, know, you don't want to see that. You want to yeah. see... You know, the kind of more tops this stage of football if you're looking to kind of get to the top of the league. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ricky Ronnie, why aren't you topping more? What's going on? Stop. Ricky Ronnie, it's Pride Month. We need we, we need you to stop perpetrating these stereotypes. Yeah. We need more verse players in college football. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I've been saying that. Um, I, uh, I, <laughs> this is sorry to make you do a lot of editing work this week, Patrick, but I have an anecdote that cannot be told on the podcast. Okay. Uh, but I would like to tell you right now. Um, which is that as long as you take this out, yeah. that uh, I, I met a guy <laughs> at a party this weekend. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. And I'm, I am glad to follow up the section about Ricky Ronnie bottoming with a redacted <laughs> story from yours. I think that people can sort of fill in the, <laughs> fill in the blanks there. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, that's that's fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah. What can you do when, when, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, and, and fair interesting enough about, about Ricky Ronnie is, uh, he actually said he just styled himself as a Ponce de Leon style bottom, mm. uh, which I think a lot of people realize had not been kind of 
you know, remained in teaching to the manuscripts out of the years. So yeah. kind of interesting there. Yeah. Uh, there's one win on the schedule. I don't think I really even need to go through the schedule. They're going to beat Texas A&M Commerce, and I think they're going to lose every other game they play. Uh, I don't really even know that they're going to be competitive <laughs> in any other game that they play. This schedule is brutal. It is absolutely brutal for a team in the situation that this team is in. Um, I, I mean, do you see any any other wins here? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I think it's one and eleven. I don't imagine that they're in a position where they're going to be firing him. He's not been there that long, but boy, this team is in a is in a pretty rough state right now. What's I, what's Ricky Roddy's whole deal? I, I, I don't like remember. It was the Penn State guy. He was the guy. Who, I know he's a Penn State yeah. guy, but like it it seems like correct me if I'm wrong here. Every Penn State assistant who's ever been hired to their job anywhere else ever has been bad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who is the high the high water mark? Is what like Joe Moorhead, right? Who got fired after two years? <laughs> Joe Moorhead. You have the Virginia and Virginia Virginia and Virginia. No, sorry, not Virginia head coach. Virginia Tech's head coach Brent Pry. Yep. is a uh, is a Penn State guy. Uh, Charles Huff, I guess, is doing okay at Marshall. Yeah. Um, he was a Penn State guy for like not. You really can't even call him a Penn State guy. He's a true mercenary. Yeah. Um. God damn, dude. I don't know. Who are the Penn State guys that have gotten jobs, I guess? Like, Poindexter's almost gotten 30 jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. There oof. haven't been there haven't been a ton, which I guess is good for Penn State that they get to keep their assistants around. But Franklin, guys, yeah. it's, it's, not a, it's not an especially fruitful tree. Uh, Googling the Joe for... Paterno coaching tree and seeing what we've got here. Uh, I'm sure that um, there's I'm sure there's some that came off of that tree who were who were successful. That's famously a really good group of people um <laughs> i guess matt rule matt rule was an assistant at penn state right he might have just played was there. he i don't know he might have just played there who knows let's find out or let's did, find out i mean uh bill o'brien was head coach there i guess he's still in, in football yeah um, is that technically coming off the, the penn state coaching tree if you were a head coach there who left <laughs> is that does that count i don't think so <laughs> um to clarify Matt Rule, he was a player there for four years and then spent one year as an assistant volunteer in 1990. Put him on the board. I am not counting him. Put him on the board. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they have a collegiate coach who was 47 and 43 overall as the all-time greatest coach come out of State College. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. The winning, well, what can the, you do? The winningest coach officially recognized by the NCAA <laughs> associated with Penn State football is, of course, yeah. James Franklin. No one else. No one else could even. You know, no one else even comes close. Um, let's talk about home field real quick before we move into the Sun Belt mm. West. Um, Ryan, what is home field? What is homefieldapparel.com where people can use the code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off their first purchase? What would they be purchasing? What's going on over there? Yeah, well, there's a lot of really good uh, Ricky Ronnie style pride merch for the just they have it on discount on the month just wrapped up, kind of like Halloween candy. Um, but, but in addition, to... <laughs> um, besides the Ricky Ronnie pride merch, they're also known for just overall great collegiate athletic apparel. Yeah, um, a lot of really, really great stuff come out of them lately. I mean, they've been fantastic for a long time. Did you see the Arkansas drop this week? Have you been following that? I have not. No. Oh, very nice Arkansas drop, um, which is uh. The, the top one here is a ringer tee. It says whole hog half ham, um, okay. which I think if you wear that with a, a hogbeat.com hat, you may you yeah. may find yourself being arrested for breaking some decency laws in some states. Yeah. But it is a very nice shirt. The Arkansas gear overall just, I mean, look, specifically home field gear is fantastic. They even have a retro bomber jacket coming out right now yeah. uh, that I think sold out, unfortunately, for those listening currently. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know. Even the home field, obviously the home field gear is fantastic there, but just in general, Arkansas branding is really, really great for, for college gear. Yeah. Um, some of the best stuff in the country. 
Yeah. Um, Man, yeah, these these Arkansas shirts are. This are is smooth, wonderful. though. Yeah, these are wonderful, wonderful shirts. I kind of, I kind of want that long sleeve. Yeah, that that, uh, that first one on the top right. Yeah. Um, mm. Mm. Man, the 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 crew neck as well with with the like the baseball uh, word mark. Oh, that's good. Very very nice. Lots of good stuff there. This is some nice shit. I mean, Arkansas is maybe it's probably an unfair example to tell you how good home field is because Arkansas is just sick. But yeah. I mean. Yeah, uh, Homefield's doing great work there. Yeah, I I'll, mean, just overall, the, I'll, the... I'll say too, the Kentucky stuff is is awesome. The Kentucky stuff that they put out this past weekend, a lot of like '90s style designs, the really really good. Um, Let's go. No comment on the Georgia stuff at this time. <laughs> I will not mm. be. I will not be endorsing anything Georgia at this current. I, I did think the the speeding towards a title gear with a race car on it was a little bit, uh, you know, kind of out of touch, <laughs> but. Um, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're an independent company. They can do yeah. what they want to do and we support them. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're the ones who make the shirts. I guess we don't get to have any sort <laughs> of say in it. Um, yeah, that was a, it was a strange choice, especially that they, that they put it out the, the day that they did, but we do still love home right. Use the code. Yeah. Midfield for 15%. And also I do want to say, I do want to say the, I got arrested in Athens, Georgia. And all I got was this t-shirt and a payment from Brian Gant. That other shirt they put out too was, yeah. was pretty, pretty aggressive as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can also get, you, you can also, interestingly enough, a lot of people don't know this. You can use the code meet at midfield to get 15% off your first fine from the Athens County <laughs> police. Um, and so that's a good way to sort of, if you want to cut down on your bill a little bit as well, it's just savvy, savvy business work. Um, and Homefield knows. So all true, about, bestie. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Home, Homefield knows all about savvy business. Go to homefieldapparel.com com use that code meet at midfield um all right next up arkansas state starting off the west <laughs> quarterback is jt shrout do you remember jt shrout hmm. formerly of colorado i'm uh, not even sure that sort of thing I, I respect it but no no thanks i don't need that kind of thing around me well um well he's not the only one who on this offense is somehow still just around brian sneed yeah. is the fucking running back here still how is he still in college football this guy got kicked out of Ohio State, accused of of what was it? Was it? I think it was sexual assault, like six years ago. Still playing college football. Yeah, he no. was never the 2018 recruiting class. Jesus right? Christ! This- as was uh, as was J T. Shroud. By the way, J T. Shroud. People forget this. Started a football game for Tennessee. Yeah, you remember that, dude? People were really excited about him. People thought J T. Shroud was the next guy at Tennessee. I I remember that vividly that it was big it was him and then there was that other guy the 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 tall guy who went to unlv harrison bailey i think is his name oh harrison bailey wow what a name yeah yeah, yeah. well they hmm. got the worst of those two somehow jt shroud is here to replace james blackman um the the arkansas state offensive line did not succeed in killing james blackman i think they could very well kill jt shroud <laughs> this line is terrible um, they, uh, they do pick up a guy who I do like uh, a decent amount in UT Martin transfer halfback, Zach Wallace, two time, all OVC pick, um, I believe is actually from yeah, a guy you like, what is this Ricky Ronnie's preview? Yeah. <laughs> he is from Jonesboro <laughs> as well. He's a favorite son. Um, that's about it on the offense. They do return Corey Rucker who was here before went to South Carolina, got hurt, did not play and then transferred right back to Arkansas state. Love that. Uh, grass isn't always greener. Just come right back home. No, no problem at all. No hard feelings. Mm. Um, so he's back. <laughs> he's basically the only receiver here. They lose their top tight end. They lose champ Flemings. They lose a whole bunch of stuff. Jeff Foreman is mm. here. At wide receiver, he's pretty much only good for deep throws, and I don't know that JT Shroud is going to be doing that. Um, 
man, I just, there's just not a whole lot here. I'm going to be honest with you. There's just not a whole lot here. Butch Jones' whole thing was that he was going to bring in a bunch of talent and he hasn't done it. Hmm. Well, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird that Butch Jones has fallen short of his promises at once again, another coaching job. Yeah. Um, you have to think he's going to get hired again, just get one more crack at this, but yeah, um, we all, we all can't wait to see it. Uh, the defense looks like dog shit too overall. I mean, just, yeah, generally the whole thing looks pretty bad. Patrick. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Defense looks like dog shit too. There's some transfers who I guess you could be into if you're really excited about North Alabama defensive tackle, Michael Bland. I think he's good, but I wouldn't say I'm excited about him. Um, linebacker room is largely intact, except they're all dog shit. So who cares? I think Kansas's Gavin Potter might be the guy here on this defense. Um, they do add Manny Stokes, who I mentioned earlier from Coastal Carolina. I think he could be pretty good in the secondary. Eddie Jones is good at safety. There's just not enough. There's not enough depth here, and honestly, there aren't enough starters here that I would really feel all that good about saying that Arkansas State is anything other than like another three and nine team. This is. It's just not good. It's just there's just nothing good here. There's nothing really all that all that exciting. The talent that he has brought in has not actually been all that talented. He's just got a bunch of guys who were in trouble at bigger schools, but not even really all that good of players. Um, I think I'm ready for this one to to be done. I think I'm ready for the Butch Jones era to be over and for Arkansas State to move on to something else. Yeah, it is kind of depressing seeing that the way Butch Jones has done the portal is like you know Urban Meyer would do it. Yeah, where he's just like picking guys for some reason aren't actually that good, but just like have a sexual assault history. Yeah, kind of a bummer to see someone else living out you know Urban's dreams. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, schedule here. They start at Oklahoma, Memphis at home, Stony Brook at home, and Southern Miss at home. Um, they're gonna lose the first two games. I, th- I think they're gonna lose three of those games. I think they're gonna beat Stony Brook. I don't think they're gonna beat Southern Miss. I think it's a one and three start to the season, and uh, really, honestly, a, a sign of things to come. Because after that, it's at UMass, at Troy, Coastal Carolina at home, and then at ULM. Two and two there. Two really awful teams that they can beat, and then two really good teams that they're not going to beat. And then they close the year. Uh, Louisiana at home, at South Alabama, Texas State at home, and at Marshall. They can beat Texas State. They're not winning any of, the, any of those other games. Um, I believe that is four and eight, which is not going to get it done. That is, that is not going to extend this 10-year another year. I think it's probably uh, just about done here for Butch Jones. Yeah, uh, that that's fine with me. Um, let's move on from this godforsaken team. I don't think we need to talk about that much further. Yep, yep. All right, next up, Louisiana. Um, kind of a weird place here for, for Louisiana. It has sort of uh, lost its place at the top of the West after just one year under new head coach Michael DeSermo. Um, they lost pretty much every close game that they could have possibly lost. They looked very much like a team that had a new head coach who didn't know exactly what he was doing. Um, and now their defense is replacing... Basically every starter from last year, only with internal replacements. Um, that worked for a long time under Billy Napier, but I don't know that it still works. I don't know that that will still be the the path forward for this team as they try to catch up to South Alabama and Troy. Um, that is uh, really, honestly, that's that's the the story for this team. They bring back Chandler Fields and Ben Woldri- Ben Woldridge at quarterback. Neither one of them was great last year. They're battling again, like they did last year for the starting job. Um, they lose Michael Jefferson at wide receiver. They lose Errol Rogers at wide receiver. Um, Chris Smith has gone at halfback. They're just they're turning over a bunch of starters from a six and seven team, and they did not bring in any transfers. I think you have to be pretty confident in the development for this program to be excited about these guys. And I'm just right now, I'm not, I'm not all that optimistic about what this team is doing. 
about what this program is doing. I don't feel great about the direction here. I think that they have lost a lot in the departure of, of Billy Napier. I think that a, a, yeah. a big chunk of the program left with him, not necessarily uh, literally, but more just that they are they are missing something that they had under him, and I don't think they're getting it back anytime soon. Uh, this is well, look. I mean, he was a guy who had an approach that was legitimately SEC like in the Sun Belt to recruiting, and and there is yeah. value to that, and in staff boat as well. Like he had guys who were young and aggressive on staff, and I, I mean, just seeing something like it's hard to keep up. It's, it's it's hard to keep up at the same time, but also like were they trying that hard to keep it up? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they they wanted to uh, they wanted to just turn it over and keep it going as it had been, but I don't think that this staff is capable of doing that. I just don't think they have the juice in the same way. Um, I don't I don't feel great about it. The secondary loses. Uh, I basically starter. I basically fundamentally don't believe in internal hires for G five programs. Yeah, it's tough to it's a tough sell unless it's a guy who is like proven that he's basically the same guy um it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to do it's 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 so easy to lose your spot in these conferences it's so easy even with just one down year which is what louisiana is going through or what app state's going through it's so easy to fall behind um and i think that louisiana is very quickly finding itself falling behind i think this is probably a bowl team i think the talent is such that they can still do that also this schedule is maybe the easiest in the entire conference, um, which is good news for Louisiana. But I don't I don't feel great about the long-term prospects of this team. I think they might get lucky with the schedule this year. Yeah, um, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. Um, I do want to get into the schedule really quick one second here, but really quick before that also, uh, it makes me feel insane when I see people talking about uh, the Amos kid that transferred out, Trey Amos at corner. Yeah. Uh, like he is like going to be a, a slam dunk day one starter and difference maker for Alabama. Yeah. The the guy was a starter for two seasons at Louisiana and never even made all Sunbelt. Yeah. He was pretty uh, good. He was a pretty good player. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Yeah. He was yeah. like a decent, a decent Sunbelt player. Yeah. Who, same thing happened with Jalen Key, right? At UAB, who was like never that good. It's like a couple time honorable mention, Al Kusa for like four years as a starter. And, is like supposed to go fix the Bama defense. I feel fucking crazy when we have to talk about this. It's like they didn't learn anything from last year's transfers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I think that's fair. Um, looking at the schedule here, they start the season Northwestern State at home at Old Dominion at UAB and Buffalo at home. I think those are four wins. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of confidence in any of those teams. Uh, then they go to Minnesota, which is going to be the first loss of the year. Um, but it's Texas State and Georgia State at home, so they can get right back on track with two wins before probably losing at South Alabama. I believe that's a six and two start. Um, like I said, very easy schedule. Very, very easy schedule. I think is going to benefit them quite a bit here. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Um, I don't know. This is a program that just kind of depresses me the way they exist currently. I don't. I don't really have a ton of thoughts on them. Yeah, they close out the season at. Arkansas State, Southern Miss at home at Troy, and Louisiana Monroe at home. Um, they're not going to beat Troy, but honestly, I think they probably win those other three games, which would be nine and three. This is uh, this is a very that feels wrong. This is I, a I don't know. this is a very fraudulent nine and three season. But also, who else are they going to lose to? Maybe Southern Miss, maybe Buffalo. I don't think they're going to lose to UAB. Um, I don't know where I don't know honestly where else the losses could come from here. This is I think the conference has done them a pretty significant favor with this schedule. 
Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't know. It just feels like just on based on quality of team, he's drafting just like a, a ghost win or ghost loss rather to eight and four. Yeah. Uh, on assumption of them fucking it up somewhere, like the margins being thin enough, they make a mistake. Yeah, but That's, we'll see. That could yeah. be. Uh, staying in the state, going over to program that you and I both love, a program that you and I are both employed by. Uh, of course, Terry Bowden is our favorite coach in college football. It's Louisiana Monroe. Um, <laughs> another team I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on here. Ryan, these guys fucking suck. They're terrible. There's nothing here. <laughs> they have nothing going on. Uh, Tyrone Howell is really good at wide receiver. I have no idea why he stuck around. He could have gone to a, a, a real football program instead of what these guys are doing. Um, they added a couple of transfers at halfback. Defense has um, has four different positions that could mean literally anything in this Vic Caning defense. Um, they have a bandit, a rover, a spur, and a cat. You need to just pick one or two of those. Mm. I don't think you can have four different positions that are just made up completely. I think you need to pick one or two. I think bandit is fine. I think rover is fine. Once you start getting into spur, once you're talking about cat, that's a not, that's not a real defense anymore. I no longer... Uh, once you get to three, I no longer respect you as a defense, and these guys have four. That is that is too many. Um, this is another one where I think there are maybe one or two wins on the schedule. I think they can beat Lamar, and that's about it. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Hey, are we sure they can beat Lamar? I don't know. They might they have a little more sense of winning around that team. Um, <laughs> they yeah. do it. Do it, ULM. Yeah, one and 11 seems fine. Yep. One and eleven. Moving on. Let's not linger on those guys too long. Let's talk about the fun teams in this in this division. <laughs> Let's talk about South Alabama. Um, awesome, awesome story last year. Really broke through in the second year under Kane Womack, and oh, yeah. they are pretty much intact from last season. Carter Bradley is back at quarterback. The Damian Webb at running back. Um, they add Kentrell Bullock from Ole Miss at halfback as well. I think he could be a really good player for them. Former blue chip guy. Um, they lose Jalen Wayne at wide receiver, but Colin Lacey's back. Devin Voison is back. DJ Thomas Jones at tight end. Um, and then they also added, I think, a really, really good transfer pickup. Memphis wide receiver Javon Ivory, who I think could be a wide receiver one for them from from the jump. Um, I would guess the offense is roughly as good, if not better, than it was last year. It takes a step forward, uh, which is good news. The offense was pretty good last year. I think it's going to be pretty good again this year. Uh, sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I see the potential for it. Absolutely. I think they are a pretty well coached group at this point. Um, you did note the Damian Webb there. Yeah. Uh, to me, one of the better backs in America in the G5 level and very quiet I thousand think... yard rusher last year. Very, very quiet, but he still went over, over a thousand yards. Yeah. Just a, just a workhorse I mean, that, for him, really. That's a workhorse back too, right? That is a guy, if I recall correctly, just very workmanlike in the way he goes about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, average, I think five yards a carry basically, and, and didn't have a ton of not, not definitely not a long yardage guy, right? Like you're not going to see him pop off a bunch of yeah. uh, 40 yard runs. Just, uh, just find a way to get yards. And also that Florida state back for the last couple of years, number of guys they produce both there and other schools is insane. Yeah. Like the running back talent they're turning out there is pretty unbelievable right now. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. It might've been LeBourne. Um, I was talking, I was writing about in the, in the preview for the Sun Belt that Florida state produced two different 1000 yard rushers at, <laughs> at the Sun Belt level uh, with, uh, with transfers as well as I'm sure like what, two or three of their own thousand yard runs, just a, an unbelievable sure. amount of production out of the running back room at Florida state, not just at Florida state all over the place. They're spreading. Right. The well, look, yeah. Like Kalen LeBorn last year, they had, uh, they had the Damian Webb, obviously, you know, last year, South Alabama too. They have uh Trayshawn Ward going to, uh, going to Kansas state this year. You have Trey Benson. It's Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence to Ophelia. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, still at Florida state. 
Uh, I mean, they are spoiled for choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another guy missing too. There's someone else who went somewhere else in the G5 that's playing well. Uh, just a lot of dudes all over. Yeah, I can't remember exactly who it is. I know, I know who you're talking about, though. I think there is another one. Um, the uh, the the strength of this team, of course, last year was still the defense. I think the offense is going to be good, but the defense was the thing that really delivered the punch for them. And uh, guess what? Nine starters back from last year's defense. Our cup runneth over. We love South Alabama. We love what's going on here. They lose C.J. Rios at defensive end. Um, that's fine because Jamie Sheriff is even better and he's back. I think he'll be totally fine. Uh, the one that I am worried about is Daryl Luter Jr. Who's wonderful cornerback for them, but they do bring back Yem Banks in the slot. One of the best slot corners, I think in America, he's so much fun to watch. Um, they bring back Jaden voice and at safety, they bring back Jalen Jordan at safety. Keith Galman Jr. Is back former two time, all Sunbelt player who missed all of last season at safety. He, he returns. Um, and then they have a six foot two sophomore cornerback, Richie, Fle- Ricky Fletcher, who was fantastic for them as a true freshman last year. They are just churning these guys out. Um, I really, really like this defense. Trey Kaiser at linebacker, Kashawn Brown, Khalil Jacobs, James Miller at middle linebacker. This team is loaded. They're, they're totally loaded. Both defensive tackles, Charles Coleman, the third and Wykevius Thomas are back. Ed Smith, the fourth, I think could be a breakout guy for them. Um, I love this defense. I, I think this is one of the best teams in the Sun Belt pretty comfortably this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I just you know as well, like this defense, the coaching they have, that's going to get the most out of it, right? You're just like fairly confident this team is going to be drilled and, and, and well, you know, just perform well. Like this is not a team that's going to fail to its potential. It's failed to reach its potential, I should say. Yeah. Uh, very, very confident in them and, and taking care of business. Um, they do open the season with a really tough game though, right? Like this is a pretty tricky game week one going to Tulane. Yeah. Um, that is a that is a slobber knocker of a week one game uh, for a G5 level. It is. Yeah, they start the season at Tulane. They get Southeast Louisiana at home, and then they're at Oklahoma State before playing Central Michigan at home. That's a really interesting non-conference slate. Um, am I crazy? Am I crazier? Uh, I was going to say, did that they get one of those? That they get one of the Tulane or Oklahoma State games? I agree. I actually would argue I'd have I, I might pick them straight up in both if okay. I were to think about it. I think that's probably unlikely based on just the talent differential. Yeah. But just if you put those two teams on neutral like if you put those three teams on neutral field, I'm taking South Alabama straight up in each one of them. Yeah. Like um, here, here's here's the the thing that I think I could say to talk someone who's maybe hesitant about this into it. Uh, who on Tulane or Oklahoma State's offense are you really afraid of here? Michael Pratt? Mm-hmm. Is that it? I mean, by himself, yeah, just yeah. by himself. He's one player for Tulane. They lose their best. With a new OC. Yeah, yeah, they lose their running back. Who at Oklahoma State is scaring you on that offense? Who on that offense has scared you over the last five years? I mean, who in that defense? Who, who who anywhere in that program looks like a good player? Yeah, I I I don't. Think <laughs> they have one slot receiver. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy at all to say that South Alabama could win both of those games. I I think we should be smart and say in the first four games, the last one Central Michigan. Yeah, that they go three and one in that stretch. I think we should just kind of hedge our bets and say that. Yeah, I would agree with but that. I, I think it's a three and one start. Um, I don't know exactly which of those two teams they get, but I think they get one of them. It would not be a surprise at all if they come out and just kind of throttle Tulane. I think that that would yeah. be a that would be a very that would be a classic week one thing where Tulane is is coming off the really hot season. People are still sort of just ambiently predicting them to win the AAC, and then South Alabama kicks the shit out of them in week one. That would not be a surprise. Just at all. insane, dude. The carryover, like. I understand to some level, like the carryover and predictions. Like if a team was like pr- impressive in, you know, the NHL or MLB, like carryover the following season. 
why do we do that so much in college football? It's it just it doesn't really work that way for all but a handful of teams that always have talent. Yeah, yeah. I I don't really know. I, I guess it's just easier, right? <laughs> it's just simple. Yeah, they don't have to do any work. Yeah, it's okay. That's never mind. That's the answer. Yeah, that's um, that's most things in college football is that it's easier. So three and one start here. Um, at James Madison at Louisiana. Yeah, I kind of want to go four and zero. Sorry, the more I'm thinking on it, I kind of want to go four and zero. It's kind of hard to see them losing either of those games. I know that this is the this is a classic thing for us to do with G five teams, but like this South Alabama roster is so good. There's so much depth. There's so much talent yeah. on this team. It's I don't I just don't feel that good about either one of those teams. I don't feel that good about Tulane or, or Oklahoma State. Um. I don't know. I mean, it's tough that they're on the road. It sure would be fun to see one of those teams have to go to South Alabama. Um, but I think I think South Alabama can win both of those games. And then as they move into the conference slate, it's at James Madison, at ULM, Southern Miss at home, Louisiana at home, at Troy, Arkansas State at home, Marshall at home, and then at Texas State. At Troy's the season, right? It's that. They're going to win those other games. I think it's just at Troy to determine basically if it's 11-1 and or 12-0 and and probably who wins the West. Yeah, I, I think let me say this is is let's I want to zoom out on this one broadly and say that like if I'm looking at Tulane, Oklahoma State, James Madison, Troy. Yeah. Those are and maybe Marshall. They're not losing more than two of those games collectively. Yeah. I, I think it's probably ten and two. I don't know where the two come from. Yes. Um I would I would agree with that. I think I said ten and two in my preview of them. Um I, yeah, I, I don't know exactly where those two are coming from. It is brutal that they get all four of those games on the road, Tulane, Oklahoma State, James Madison, and Troy. Um, but I, I think Troy is the only team in this conference I feel better about than South Alabama. And uh, I, I think this is, yeah, I think this is a 10-2 and two season for them. I, I really, really like what they have going on here. Yep. Yeah, we're on the same page. Um, Southern Miss is next up on the list here. Uh, besides Frank Clark Jr. or sorry, Frank Gore Jr. rather Frank Clark Jr. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we have Sexual Assault Jr. Um, besides besides Frank Gore Jr., is there any player in this team that is kind of worth watching as a national player? Who should we know about? Uh, no. Mm, okay. <laughs> no, not That's really. <laughs> um, Jay Stanley's pretty good at free safety. I, I I like him a decent amount. I think the defense honestly is probably going to be fine. Kristen Booth is back. Quentin Bivens are back. Both defensive ends last year. Um, Avery Habas at, uh, as, as an edge rusher, I think is awesome. I'm really excited to see him play. So yeah, there are a couple guys, nose tackles, Jalen Williams and Josh Ratcliffe are pretty good. Um, Hayes Maples is back at middle linebacker. He missed last year with an injury. Uh, defense should be fine. I think the offense is just Frank Gore. It's, it's, it's Frank Gore Jr. seeing what he can do. Uh, passing attack just needs to stay out of the way. This is uh, a rung below, distinctly a rung below uh, Troy and, and South Alabama, but I think firmly a a uh, a bowl contender and a team that should be hovering around that range. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Start the season, Alcorn <laughs> State at home at Florida State, Tulane at home and at Arkansas State. That's two and two. That's a that's a pretty tough non conference slate for uh for the, for this team. Yeah. That's they uh, are they should just not play Frank Gore Jr. against Florida State. As much as I would like to see that game for just for fun to see like three NFL God. running backs in the field at the same time. Could you imagine how how much Frank Gore Jr. would want to run for three hundred yards in that game? <laughs> that would be because he not yeah. only would it be like a national stage where he would get the chance to show off, but also like I don't think the, I don't think yeah. the Gore family has a huge af- uh, affinity for Florida State generally. No, <laughs> I'd say not. I'd say not. Um, oh my but god! Uh, if you're oh. him, if you're him, like 
they're just not going to be. I mean, I don't know. Just just save your health, brother. Go go play yeah. go play the other eleven games. Yeah, but like, man, that is that is so perfectly aligned for like a forty five to twenty one loss where Frank Gore Jr. runs for three hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns or three touchdowns, right? Yeah, like that's and that's mm, well. It's the only thing that they have going on, but it is so distinctly going on for the entire game. I I would bet no. I think if he cracks 100 yards, he had a great game against mm, them. Man, I I don't know. I think that I think how that, many carries are they getting him to get to 300 yards? 60? He's getting 60 carries in that game. I think he is a running back driven almost entirely by spite, and that is a game filled with spite for him. That would that would that is the that is the call that is the the reasoning behind me thinking he could go off in that game is that that's exactly how his dad worked and i think that that's exactly how he works is that when the when he has a reason to try really hard he's completely unstoppable yeah yeah i mean maybe i don't know i i think i am quite a bit lower on the on the industry consensus that on frank Gorgia. i know he's an awesome player and a great story and like he's fun to watch i get all that like he but like Come on, he's not actually like a top ten running back in college football. Like, if we're if we're being honest about this, I understand he accumulated a lot of large uh, yards last year, but like he might he be. was playing quite a few bad defenses, yeah, and just getting a million carries, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't think he's actually right on Florida. I, I don't know. I, I know. I know. We're just having fun and hypothetical. I'm sorry to be the the, the piss pants here. Yeah, <laughs> like I think that I think that Frank Gore is like uh, Frank Gore Jr. Rather is probably putting it up like. I don't know, 35 carries for 137 yards if they try to beat Florida State and they lose well, by no, they're know, not six gonna, touchdowns. Yeah, they're not going to beat yeah. Florida State or Tulane. Right. It's a two-and-two two start to the season, but it would be interesting to, to just to see what he does there. Um, continuing on here, Texas State and Old Dominion at home are both wins, and then at South Alabama and at App State I think are probably both losses, right? Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, four and four heading into the last four. Damn, I don't know. Why did I turn into the, the Southern Miss hater this year? What's up with this? I don't know. Uh, and then <laughs> closing out the season, ULM at home at Louisiana at Mississippi State and Troy at home. Really tough way to end the end the schedule here. What a brutal non-conference it is for them. Florida State, Tulane, and Mississippi State. Jesus. Um, I think it's six and six. I'm not going to say how they get to six and six. I'm going to say six and six, though. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know where that six win comes from, but I will say that they find it somewhere. Yeah. Also, one thing to note here on just the, the Gore family once again. Yeah. Uh, we know previously, you know, Frank Gore, senior, you know, running back, high level college football and NFL player. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore, junior, high level running back. Um, Juan Ponce de Leon also had his grandson take over as the governor of Puerto Rico uh, <laughs> after his his decline. <laughs> that he did take over uh, as acting governor. Yeah. Um, and in fact, the first native-born Puerto Rican to govern Puerto Rico. So, mm-hmm. um, just something to consider. <laughs> something to think about here. Um, you know what we're not going to think about for even a goddamn second is Texas State, which has forty transfers. <laughs> I'm not talking about these guys. There's no way. Absolutely not. <laughs> They have they have new players at every fucking position. I'm not doing it. It's too much. They're going to they're going two and ten. No, I'm not. I'm not even entertaining the thought of Texas State right now. Do you Absolutely want to look at the not. schedule to pick the to pick the two wins? Yeah, they're gonna beat uh, they're gonna beat Jackson State and they're gonna beat uh, Louisiana Monroe. That's it. 
That's that's all they're, <laughs> that's all they're doing. I don't. They might not even beat Jackson State. Who cares? Who who fucking cares? Who just just, just make it. All right. So down off the episode, Patrick. Our last team is Troy. Yes. Uh, the class of the conference, right? I mean, yep. just one of the best teams in college football this year. One of the best teams in college football this year. You got to agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to, glad I to see should, you're finally no seeing things my to, way. We are, like, we, <laughs> we are at minute like 105 of our Sunbelt preview. Yeah. We have four listeners this deep in the podcast. Any, if anyone nails me the wall for this one, I'll take the heat for it. Yes. Okay. Troy, one of the best teams in college football. Uh, Gunnar Watson <laughs> is back at quarterback. Kamani Vidal at running back. They also added Asa Martin from Memphis. I, I like that addition for them. I think they need that big play spark and he can bring that. Um, wide receiver room loses a uh, guy who you famously hate in Tez Johnson as well as Ray J. Johnson Sanders. <laughs> um, they bring back Deshaun. I'm more of a Ray J. the musical artist kind of fan. Yeah, well, they lose him too, unfortunately. They bring back uh, Deshaun Stoudemire and then they added uh, Chris Lewis from Kentucky as well as a guy who I really like in Landon Parker from Wofford. He was super productive, big play guy for them. Um, and then Jabari Barber is up next in the slot. I think the offense will be fine. It was not the strength of the team last year. It won't be the strength of the team again this year but they have uh, experience in the backfield i think gunner watson will benefit from another year within the system offense should be fine it's not that's not what this team does that's not what this program does it just needs to stay out of the way and i i think it will i i don't really i don't really know that there's a whole lot else to say about the offense as long as it is not bad they will be totally fine yep uh <laughs> i mean that's the whole thing just don't fuck it up too bad uh Look, the only question in the schedule, basically, we can go through game to game if you want well, to, but they basically, I think, to me, have four compelling games. Yeah, and real quick, I, I do want to say the defense loses. Oh, the defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, defense that's, that's, loses right. Wood, who is the defensive coordinator. I don't think he was doing a single goddamn thing here. I am not convinced at all that it was not just John Sumrall call, calling the defense. I don't know why it would have been Shield Wood doing that. Um, but they do need to replace him. They also need to, I think, much more importantly, replace Carlton Martial, uh, defensive tackle Will Colo. Uh, um, also, we did look it up. We had to point out here really quick here. Yeah. People who just do not follow G5 football at a close level could not guess what Shield Wood looks like if you gave them 100 tries. No. No, not happening. A lineup of every coach in college football and trying to pick out Shield Wood. Yeah. You, he's a very you are, I would, I would say he's a very day. funny looking guy. He's a, he's, he's a very, very funny looking man. Dude, um, he, he looks like... And a, <laughs> you, need, you need to take this out of the podcast. What I'm going to say next. Okay. He looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> furiously writing down the timestamp. Uh, I was gonna say he looks like Mike Wazowski, so I think we're in sim- we're kind of in a similar place here. He <laughs> looks like human Mike Wazowski. <laughs> God. God, his face is all crazy looking. It's just not good at all. It's I'm just, I made myself laugh too hard. I can't. It's just not good at all. <laughs> it's just not good at all. That's all I have to say about it. It's just not good at all. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I can't stop Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Oh, I will tell you guys what I said if you pay for the message board. If you... If you... If someone's if someone listening to this podcast for free 
uh signs up with the username shia wood <laughs> i will <laughs> just send you a message I will, post, I will post the joke on the message board <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> so anyway defense has a couple guys to replace but it does bring back um fantastic edge rushers in both uh javon solomon and richard jabuner uh as well as uh defensive end tj jackson who i think is one of the best players in the conference players outright players not just defensive players not just edge rushers fantastic defensive player um, um, defensive tackle Buddha Jones is back, as is A.J. Pierce. Uh, linebackers, like I said, they, they need to replace their best player, but they bring back K.J. Robertson and, and a whole bunch of other guys um, who were sort of reserves last year. player who I do want to mention as a, as a guy to watch, a uh, name that no one would know before this year because he's from the JUCO ranks, Stephen Katalich, who was a, is an all-conference pick. He had a JUCO best 120 tackles with 21 tackles for loss in 10 Jesus. sacks last year. They don't play that many games. They don't. It's not like it's not like <laughs> That's they're a down, nine game yeah, schedule. He's yeah, playing. it's not like they're down there playing 14 games. He had 120 tackles in nine games. That's a lot of tackles. That's an unbelievable Jesus. number of tackles. What is that? That's like uh, that's how many tackles is that a game? That's 13.3 tackles per game. That is a preposterous number of tackles. <laughs> so they were they uh, they lose the all-time leading uh, tackles man in college football, and they replace him with a guy who is averaging almost 14 tackles a game at the JUCO rank. <laughs> I think they'll probably be fine. I, I think, yeah. he'll, I think yeah. he'll fit right in. I don't think it's going to be any issue for John Sumrall there. Paul um, Puss lost the ass stat line. Yeah, and then um, uh, secondary, they bring back Del Pettis at safety. They have a couple transfers there as well. And then the cornerback room, uh, Oshai Fletcher and Reddy Stewart. If that sounds familiar, this is their fourth year together as starting cornerbacks. They're both fantastic. Stewart is one of the best cornerbacks in America. Um, this defense is great. This defense is great. This team is great. They're going to be they're going to be totally fine, even with the guys that they lose. Um, I have no no doubt at all about that. I I really really like what they've got going on here. Yeah, I mean it's a fantastic group, right? There's no argument about that. I um I think the stuff you hit on here is is pretty much on the nose. Defense should be I, I think among the very best in the G five out the country, and I, I do think that uh, as long as they are able to be somewhat productive at the offense, this should be it's it's this should be fine, right? Yep. It's it's just yep. hang in there, just 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 do be competent, and you're fine. Yeah. So you mentioned they got four games on the schedule that are really defined the season. What are those four games? Sure. So by my measure. Uh, the extreme part here is three of them are in a row, mm-hmm. uh, which probably worth noting is they they open up the season. First game is not one of these, you may not guess, but they open up the season at, uh, against Stephen F. Austin at home, then mm-hmm. follow that up at Kansas State, home against James Madison, home against Western Kentucky. Yeah. Um, that is tricky. I think they probably take down James Madison and Western Kentucky. Yeah. But lose to Kansas State in the road. Yeah. Um, Kansas State just, just a little too disciplined there, right? Like just not going to fuck up. Um, and they get South Alabama at home as well. Do, do we, I mean, just getting all these teams at home, I think they probably go 11 and one this year, right? Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I think they're going to lose a, a really good hard fought game against Kansas state. And then I don't think they're going to lose again. I, I think that's going to be pretty much it for them losing. Um, like you said, they get uh, James Madison, and Western Kentucky at home. Uh, they get South Alabama at home. I really don't know what other games they would lose on this schedule. They have to go to Southern Miss. That could be tricky. Um, they have to go to Army. That's never fun to do. But I, I think it's an 11-1 season here for Troy. I think they're going to be excellent again. And 
that that uh, that South Alabama game in when is that? I, I don't have the dates on my schedule. I just have all the games written out. Um, I think that's going to be one of the games of the of the entire season. It that's was. on Thursday, November second, by the way. Okay, yeah, that was one of the best games of the whole year last year. I think it will be again this year. I love that it's on a weeknight, yep. so everybody will be able to watch it. Um, that's going to be fantastic. That'll be for the West. I'm I'm very excited to see that. I think it's an eleven and one for for Troy and um, John Sumrall has to be. I mean one of the best coaches in the country at that point, if he manages to pull that off again, first two years would be incredible. Two of the best seasons in program history as soon as he shows up. Yeah. I mean, the question is just like, which job is he going to get? Right. It's not a question if or not he gets, he gets yeah. a, a high level job. It's just who's paying him first. Yeah. Uh, is my read on that one, which I think has to happen soon. Yeah. Let's just hope he, uh, I, I would like to get as much of him at Troy as I possibly can, but yeah, somebody in the sec, I think is going to come calling much sooner than later. Uh, Kentucky would be, would love to be the one that does that, but I don't know that they're going to get the chance. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, Kentucky, do they really want to be the one that loves to do that? Like yes. they're, they're not going to, uh... well, he played there and then he coached there. I think he would make a lot of sense. I, I, yeah, I... sure. But like, I don't think there are any, uh, I, I know what you're saying, but not get the chance, but, but what you say, not get the chance means like they have one of the, probably the best coach of program history. Yeah. I well, guess maybe, Bear Bryant coached there besides maybe, Bear Bryant. Well, maybe, um, maybe what happens is that Iowa opens and he goes there and then they can hire John Sumrall. That would make everybody happy. I, I think that mm. would be a win-win situation for all involved parties. Yeah. Except for the Bielema Gambit. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's the Bielema Gambit. Um, (laughs) The dreaded Bielema Gambit. Uh, All right. Cool. Uh, Before we get out of here, we do want to put in a a call for questions. I'm going to post this on the message board as well as probably on the Twitter. But we are doing, is it next week that we're going to be doing a a premium? Next week, we're doing a premium mailbag. Um, We are almost to the, uh, I mean, we're about like five, six weeks away here from the twice a week and it's picking back up. (sighs) But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh God. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, it sure is. Season's almost here, folks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, it'll be real football. But we won't care, dude. Like once it's real football, we have enough to talk about. That's easy to do two episodes a week. Just yeah. well, the good news is, shit. Ryan, it's easy yeah. to do two, and it's uh, hopefully even easier to do three because that's the number that we do. <laughs> that's right. We do season. three a week. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so yeah. Send in your <laughs> questions. We're going to be doing a Q and A. To clarify, again. you do three. I do five episodes a week with yeah, uh, yeah, uh, with High Street Freaks. Well, yeah. I also cover Utah State as a full time job. But yeah, this. I, I... <laughs> yeah, look. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to compare difficulty with you. I'm just talking podcast. We're just talking podcast. Yeah, we're if we're just yeah, we're going podcast for podcast yeah. for podcast. You're you're, you're beating me. In I'm, going for band with that yeah. <laughs> I'm going band for band. Yeah, I'm going cast for cast. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I work for the CIA full time. You think that commute's easy? Come on, yeah. brother. That's that's a long flight. Yeah, it is crazy that you that you do you're you're commuting every day from New York to Washington D.C. <laughs> it seems like they would have an office there. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense, but. I don't know. That's how the that's how the CIA <laughs> works, I guess. Um, all right, cool. So yeah, send in your questions. Uh, if you're a subscriber, just do it on the message board. If you're not, you're not going to be able to listen to the podcast anyway. So I don't really know what the point of <laughs> sending in questions would be. Um, maybe I'll just put that up on the on the board then. I don't know why I would need to make that hmm. free for people. Well, we already are. sent on the pod. No need to delete this. Just yeah. might as keep it on here. Yeah. What are you going to do? You send in a question. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. <laughs> I'd like to see you send in a question. I don't think you can do it. Um, yeah. So send in your questions uh i think that's about it ryan you have anything else before we get out of here <laughs> i just saw a tweet about uh, <laughs> jesus christ 
the $2.3 billion MSG sphere in Las Vegas is almost ready. Okay. It's 366 feet high, 516 feet wide, 18,000 seats. It's the world's largest sphere. <laughs> it will officially open <laughs> this September. Finally. We've needed a larger sphere before. We've been missing I'm, I'm DMing the sphere to you. <laughs> it's just the, as far as I can tell, it's just a glowing black and red orb in the middle of the Las Vegas desert. Very ominous looking thing. Oh my god. Thing. <laughs> this, is, this is overtly demonic, I think. This is, <laughs> this, is the, this is what they're talking about when they say, you know, like this is demonism in, in American culture. I'll give it to I, him on this one. I do not like the sphere. I am not at <laughs> all a fan of the sphere. I'm going to be in Las Vegas this month. I'm going to avoid the sphere as best <laughs> I possibly can. Please avoid the can. sphere. Yeah, but it does. Remember, it does open in September the U2 concert, so look forward to that. There, I do also like there are some pictures of it not lit up in the comments, and it just looks terrible. It <laughs> it looks like a it looks like a big like back roller. It looks so shitty. <laughs> I, I can't wait for them to like. They're gonna find out people hate it because it just looks like a, it looks like a weird like uh, mouse trackball from the late nineties. Yes. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna pay to light it up twenty four seven and just ruin the remaining water in the Colorado River. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. Yeah, it will be cool. Do you know about how uh, Allegiant Stadium is constantly showing Raiders highlights while you drive on the freeway next to it? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I yeah. uh, I do think like it's crazy just how fucking hideous all of our new stadiums are. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, uh, and and why who, didn't someone try to build a cool, like a cool version of an old stadium? Like, just basically build a new version of an old stadium. We thought about doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and no city is is more notorious for this than Las Vegas, one of the ugliest cities ever constructed. Just a hideous place. I hate it. I hate that fucking city so much. I'm, I'm dreading it. I <laughs> just a nasty place to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you hate to see that. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we will uh, we will see you all, well, the premium subscribers. We'll see the ones of you who we like on next week's podcast, and then we'll see the rest of you on the week after that for mm. uh, something. I, I guess it'll be a, a, a P5 preview, right? We're coming up on that. Yeah. Yeah, we're hearing that more and more. We uh, we are doing the ACC preview, I think, first. So Yeah. Um, and that's also exciting because there are a lot more than two teams to talk about, and Mm, um many are saying agree that. on that many are saying that um all right cool we'll catch you all next week